Hello. Hi, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline studio here until 4 a.m. It is Sunday night into Monday morning. On Monday morning, that means my dad calls in and tells a joke, and he will do that later on. Uh, our phone number is 312-981-7200. That's the Team Hochberg phone line, 312-981-7200 if you want to jump in at any time. Um, and uh, um, I'm going to have a guest uh, after midnight, Dave Berg. I'm very excited about this. He is the former executive producer of The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. And he's written a book called Behind the Curtain. And we're going to get some inside looks at uh, what it was like to work on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Um, if you're a regular listener of the show, you know how much I love uh, the late night TV and the talk shows and stuff. And uh, obviously the granddaddy of them all is The Tonight Show. Twenty, I believe it's, it's almost 20 years he worked for uh, for The Tonight Show. So we got Dave Berg coming in at midnight to talk about his book, uh, Behind the Curtain, and all the stuff that... Uh, that happened while he was working for The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Um, we always play back some, uh, speaking of The Tonight Show, we play back some classic Johnny Carson. Uh, you can watch The Johnny Carson Show uh, every night on Antenna TV. And so that's awesome. And we always play back some comedy at 2.30 every morning, whether it be a sketch or an interview or some stand-up. And we got some stand-up from the, the very, very funny Larry Miller. Uh, this dates back to 1991. Uh, Larry Miller, very, very funny guy. Um, uh, yeah. So, uh, and again, my dad's going to call in and tell a joke. That'll be coming up a little bit later on. We're going to talk about some of the worst band names of all time. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about some of the weirdest jobs that actually exist. And uh, and much more. Uh, 312-981-7200 is the, uh, is the phone number. So... Um, you know, we love to talk to um, the third shifters out there, our night shift, overnight drivers and stuff like that. How do you stay awake? It's just a simple question. Um, you know, if you're working all night, sometimes you're going to get a little drowsy maybe, especially if you're on the road driving because that, uh, that can really tire out your eyes and everything. Um, so how do you stay awake? Do you use ridiculous amounts of caffeine? Do you take power naps? What keeps you going when you got to stay up late and into the night? So uh, our phone lines are open right now. We would love to hear from you. We know we got a lot of people out there. We got truckers out there. We got people working the third shift. Um, just on the simplest of levels, what keeps you going? Um, you know, I used to when I was working the before I quit uh, before I quit uh, caffeine. I used to I used to drink a ridiculous amount of caffeine when I was working the overnight shifts on the weekend. Uh, and then I just quit caffeine cold. But yeah, I would drink a lot of coffee. I would drink a lot of Coke. Um, and that's, you know, how I stayed awake. But now uh, I just, you know, I sleep all day. <laughs> and uh, every once in a while I get a little bit tired, you know. So how do you stay awake? Uh, this, is, uh, this is a shout out to our night shift workers and overnight drivers and people who are working out there right now. Um, how do you stay awake? Do you... Uh, use the caffeine do you take the power naps now tom i know you drink uh, you you drink some caffeine i do during I'm, the show yeah big fan of just straight black coffee mm-hmm. no cream no sugar just uh, the way god intended just the good stuff yeah just hot bean water yeah 
<laughs> when I drank coffee, I drank it black. Yeah, I think honestly, I think it's the best way to t- to take coffee. I did for a while, you know, early, you know, earlier when I first started drinking coffee, I would go cream and sugar. Well, yeah, you got to graduate to black coffee. Yeah, you don't just. I I have never met a person that just started by drinking black coffee. Yeah, because it's a lot to handle. It is. It is. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, eventually it was just black coffee. Because mm-hmm. it turns into less of a, you know, wow, I really enjoyed this coffee to more of kind of a fix almost. I feel weird about it. Um, well, I mean, you you know, you know, um, I got to say, man, um, I had withdrawal symptoms when I quit when I quit caffeine. Well, of course, I quit caffeine. I've said this a million times. I quit caffeine and nicotine on the same day, which is just that's like the nuclear option. Well, yeah. I, and I was not. I was going through a terrible breakup too, and sure. I, and and so I was not in the I was not a pleasant <laughs> I was not a very pleasant person to be around during that time period. So when you stopped caffeine, headaches, tremors. Oh, yeah. What what was what was the worst of it? All of it. Headaches and tremors, you know, bad mood, bad mood. Headaches were the worst part because I drank yeah. a lot of caffeine. I mean, I would drink a lot of coffee during the overnight shows, right? Um, just to put a little pep in your step. Well, yeah. I mean, you know. We're go- I mean, we're going here. We're going all night we're here till 4 a.m. Here man. till 4 a.m. to the crack. And now I just drink water. Well, you know what? I've actually seen that water is more conducive to keeping you awake than caffeine. Obviously, caffeine gives you that immediate effect. Yeah. It's that straight, straight shot to the bloodstream sort of thing. But staying hydrated will definitely keep you awake. That's a very common way to stay awake. I mean, I drink a lot of water. You know. Yeah. I mean, during every break, I walk out and get some more water. A little bit of water. Yeah, a little Keeps ice. You, know, you know, a surprising, I'll say this, I found that uh, sometimes you'll see me here, I'll have an apple or something in, in, yeah. during a news break. Yeah. Apples are incredible for keeping you awake. Wow. There's a lot of natural sugar, and it's 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 like eating a cup of coffee, but um, a little bit, obviously it's a little better bit for better you. for you. <laughs> Keeps the doctor away. Right. Uh, good for you in that sense. So uh, oftentimes you'll catch me with an apple in here. Just well, to keep going. We all have some uh, offbeat tips for staying awake at night, and we'll jump into that. Uh, but I want to—I w- I would love to hear from you. Uh, you are up now, <laughs> and if you're—if uh, you work, you know the overnight shift. How do you stay awake? Sometimes you just—I guess because you know your schedule, you get used to it. That's another thing that happens. But you can't avoid being tired if it's like four o'clock in the morning and you're still up so how do you stay awake do you do you uh go nuts on the caffeine do you take power naps how do you keep it up uh you keep uh, up when you're uh when you're up uh, late at night 312-981-7200 312-981-7200 and i'll share with you some offbeat tips for staying awake at night we got that coming up right here on 720 wgn and uh we'll do that right after this Hello, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN, and uh, we're live in the Skyline studio here until uh, 4 a.m. 
Uh, we're coming up on a Monday, Monday morning. That means my dad's going to call in and tell a joke. Um, we're going to have Dave Berg join us after midnight. He's a former executive producer of The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. And uh, he's written a book called Behind the Curtain. And I can't wait to talk to him. Um, because uh, if you're a regular listener of the show, you know how much I love late night TV. Uh, we got Walter Jacobson's perspective uh, coming up in uh, in a little bit here, uh, as we do every Sunday night. Uh, my dad's going to call in and tell a joke. As I mentioned, we're going to talk about some of the worst original band names of all time and some very weird jobs that actually do exist. And if you've ever had a very weird job, we would love to hear from you. Right now, uh, I'm asking you, how do you stay awake? How do you keep awake? If you're working you know, a late-night shift, if you're an overnight driver, what do you do? Do you do a bunch of caffeine? Do you do power naps? What's your secret for staying awake during these late-night hours? Uh, Tom gets down on the caffeine. Yeah, a little cafe bustelo if I can get my hands on it. Mm. Well, Which is how's the coffee? How's the coffee here? It's good. It's good coffee. It's got one of those automatic uh, machines. Well, yeah. I mean, it'll make any type of coffee you want. You want a a mochaccino or whatever. Uh, you want a espresso. You want hot. They have chocolate. all that stuff. Yeah, all pop. It's like a Papa Nicholas machine, and it makes all. Oh, the Papa that's Nicholas right. Stuff, and they also have the hot chocolate, which is like the greatest hot chocolate on earth. It's so good. Wow. Uh, but I try to stay away from that because it's got sugar in it. Um, yes. And I, it, sugar will make me crash. I just need the straight dope, the straight caffeine. Ah, okay. You stay away from the sugar. Maybe yeah. some other people do that too. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. That's our phone line. If you're a third shifter or if you're a night owl, how do you stay awake? Everybody's got different things, and we've got some unconventional tricks for staying awake when sleep isn't an option, because sometimes coffee won't cut it, man. You need more than coffee. Here's Linda on WGN. Hi, Linda. Hi, good morning. Hi. Yeah, I've worked uh, shift work for 30 years. I've called before about this, and... um each week you worked a different shift. Sometimes we had to trade in between yeah. if something was going on with the kids or that. And uh, you couldn't take a cat nap or that because you had a 15-minute break, your first break, and you had a half-hour lunch. And then uh, before you went home in the morning, they gave you another 20 minutes. You were constantly going all the time. There was no sitting down and saying, I'm going to rest or anything like that. And one of the most boring jobs was dropping in every other package. When we had the little uh, free gizmos that you put in the cereals and that. Mm -hmm. And uh, you had to keep up with the machines. And uh, there was two girls on the line and you dropped every other box. And they were making 60 to 63 packages a minute. Wow. So you had to keep going. And even on days, the girls would say, I'm going nuts. They were going sleepy. Some of the girls had someone to uh, help take care of the kids for them, so they traded for a lot of nights. But uh, those of us that didn't, uh, we get home in the morning, get the kids off to school, and you have a little one. My kids, uh, when I started, the oldest was two, and then I had my other son uh, four years later. And uh, you stayed up until your husband come home. And you had your dinner and everything, and hopefully you got to bed by uh, by thirty six o'clock because you had to be up by 10 to get ready to go to work again. 
Right. And you just kept that way. You kept moving. You didn't dare sit down. And another uh, job that I know I have friends that are uh, registered nurses. Right. And there's no catnapping for them either. Some of them are in high-risk job areas. And uh, we talk about it, and they say you just have to keep moving. You cannot sit down because it's all your body needs to do. Think it's resting. You guys, like you're on for four hours, and you've really got to keep going. You're going 240 all the time. But yet, maybe your four hours is like our eight hours was. Or well, we're actually on five hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, get there half hour early, huh? Well, no, we get here earlier than that. We're usually here, you know, a couple hours before we go in the air. So, uh-huh. so, but you have to prepare and everything yeah. like that for your show. Yeah, we've got five hours to fill, Linda. <laughs> That's a lot of time. All right, Linda, thanks for your thoughts. Take care. All right, take care. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, I'm usually I'm usually awake by at least one in the afternoon, and I just stay awake. Really. Yeah, yeah, I go to sleep because I'm not like you. You go, you stay up a bit. I do. I you watch. I usually go to bed. I usually go to bed after Price is Right. Yeah. So what's that like? Ten. Ten. Well, no, eleven. Because so eleven. Yeah. Price is Starts Right is 10, on at ten. Yeah. Eleven. Yeah, I go to sleep almost immediately. I'll usually have bowl of corn flakes, feed the cat, play with the cat a little bit. Maybe if I'm not sleepy, do some do some reading. You know, um, and then I'm asleep by about five thirty six a.m. Oh no. Yeah, you can't do that. No. Oh, I'm I'm beat. I'm beat. Well, because I, you know, I I'm up. Uh, I got to catch the people during the daytime. Well, it's weird because you know, like I'm not gonna all the all the late night dudes are on vacation this week. Are they really? Yeah. So I'm gonna, not gonna have anything to watch when I get home because normally I'll watch like three <laughs> talk shows back to back to back. Sure. You know. Um. But uh, yeah, now I can't. I can't. I can't. I'm I'm all wound up when I get home. I can't. When you're a t- you're a tough sleeper as well. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, you're, I, you're, yeah. you already have a hard enough time. Getting I've had to sleep. I've had I've had difficulty sleeping, you know, pretty much my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when I get home, I'm wired. You know, sure. I just did five hours of talk show. You know what I mean? And it's and I can't just turn that off when I get home. Mm-hmm. Well, that's I, I find that interesting because you've basically been a night owl your entire life. Correct? Yes, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. So I and I was never a night owl until, until you now. got this gig. Until now, yeah. Well, until and I started, you know, when I would fill in producing other shows. Sure. Eventually, you know, sometimes you do some overnight stuff. Um, but I was never a night owl. So this this whole world is new to me. This whole idea of having to stay up is crazy to me. I used to be in bed by nine when I was in high school. Wow. I was in bed by nine, but then I was also up at like six a.m. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I balanced it out. I would always, I mean, when I was in high school, I was watching Carson every night before I went to bed. Sure, you know, you're staying up. You're listening to the overnight my parents. Guys. Oh yeah, I listened to Eddie Schwartz all the time. Stephen Johnny had the radio on all the time. Um, that's just how my folks sleep too. Like they've got this on right now. <laughs> they've got me on right now on their little radio next to the bed. Hey, Mr. and Mrs. DeGilio. Yeah, they're probably asleep, but <laughs> maybe I'll get in some consciously, you know? Yeah. But, uh, no, they, they, this is this they're, they listened to overnight radio mm-hmm. all the time and it just happened, you know, me too. It just was mm-hmm. something that, that rubbed off on me. 
Well, working overnights at Jewel, what was your typical thing? Obviously, you were predisposed because you liked being up late and during the weird hours. Well, anyway. so what was your routine at Jewel? When I was at Jewel working the overnights, you know, because it was weird. And I, I feel for people whose shifts change, like firemen and stuff like that. Yeah, nurses too. Nurses. They, I might, just, they might work the overnight and then they have to work they a gotta, day. Yeah. I, I, That's wild. It's crazy. I can't, I, I can't imagine juggling these shift changes. You know what I mean? And how do you get your, you know, how do you get your sleep and, you know, and how do you adjust? Does it take you, like when you start working days after working you know, like a like a month overnight, and then you start working days. How long does it take you to get used to it? You know, I can barely get used to it on Fridays for us. And I'll tell you, man. You know, those are important jobs, especially now. We're talking about doctors and we're talking about nurses. Incredibly important jobs, essential jobs, and you want to be at your best. You want to be alert. You want to be aware. You know, we we tip 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 of the hat to anybody who's working. You know, under these conditions right now. But yeah, just getting rest is difficult enough. But I used to, when I was at Jewel, it was weird because like sometimes I would I, I would only work three or four nights a week, overnights, and then I would work like on a weekend during the day. So it was weird. But I would I would go to bed in the evening. I would go to bed like around six o'clock, like after I would eat. And uh, and I usually start at eleven, so I'd sleep till ten. And then when I got home, I would try to get a little more sleep, but it never really worked out. Like I said. You know, you work seven hours at Jewel, and you're not going to be able to wind down and fall asleep. You're just going to be thinking about putting things on shelves. <laughs> what was it you had to do where you pull the boxes forward? Facing. Facing. Yeah. You've been facing for seven hours. Yeah. You know, the last thing you want to do is, you know, try to go to sleep, because that's going to be the last thing on your, the last thing you're thinking about. You're going to be counting well, I mean, boxes I can't, of cereal I can't. Yeah, no, no. I, can't, I could never wind down. And I still feel the same way here. You know, I'm not doing anything really physical here. I mean, sure. I'm sitting down right now just talking. But at Jewel, you would pick up big big boxes and you know bale, you know, uh, cardboard and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. I'm the total opposite. I could when I was a bar back at the end of every shift, I would like collapse on the side. No, it's not when so I bartended. Tired. Same thing <laughs> when I when I bartended. Well, I drank after my shift. Yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that'll put you on the ground pretty yeah. soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, we've got some very unconventional tricks for staying awake when sleep isn't an option. How do you stay awake? Uh, I I, I know we have a bunch of third shifters out there and people who are up very late at night. How do you keep that going? Caffeine, power naps. What are some of the secrets behind you staying awake uh, during these late hours? 312-981-7200. And uh, we'll give you some more tips and tricks for uh, staying awake when, uh, when you should be sleeping. 312-981-7200, 312-981-7200, and we'll do that after the news. You're looking kind of lonely, girl. Would you like someone new to talk to? Oh, yeah, all right. This is Dr. Hook. Little Dr. Hook. If I'm not mistaken, he wore an eye patch. Did he wear an eye patch or am I nuts? I think he did. <laughs> All right. The Snake Pliskin of 70s music. 
You know, Kurt Russell wore an eye patch in three different movies. That Captain Ron Escape from L.A. Escape from L.A. Yeah, I mean, obviously Captain Ron being the best. Of the Get out of here! <laughs> Not that I dislike Captain Ron. Uh, you know? Yeah. Hey, Kurt, right, Kurt Russell rules. That's that's it. Uh, Nick DiGiulio here on 720 WGN. Hey, coming up after midnight, Dave Berg is going to join us. He is the author of the book Behind the Curtain. He spent a bunch of years as executive producer of The Tonight Show. And some incredibly cool stories. He worked there when uh, Jay Leno was host, when Jay Leno took over. Uh, yeah, and the book is called Behind the Curtain. 312 981 The question is, to our night owls, to our third shifters, um, how do you stay awake? Do you do, you do uh, a ridiculous amount of caffeine? Do you take the power naps? I don't understand the power naps. I could never do that. Oh, man. It's it's the best. I can't do it. Well, I, I'm like your father, where we could fall asleep. Me and your dad could fall asleep anywhere. My dad. It's like. Fall asleep. It's like clockwork. But my mom and I, up all night. Yeah. My dad, out like a light. I mean, I can honestly, usually before the show, I'll watch an episode of, uh, I'll have dinner. I'll watch an episode of whatever series Lauren and I are watching. Currently, Big Love. Oh, great show. I know. And so we'll watch one of those, and then I'll go to sleep for maybe 90 minutes. And I wake up, and it feels like my brain's been rewired. Like, I'm just like, you know, I'm just I'm Yeah, just totally I envy it. people who can just fall asleep at any time, anywhere. Well, it's a blessing and a curse. I won't lie to you. It's a blessing and a curse, because then sometimes when you get this feeling of tiredness, you're just willing to fall asleep in public. I've fallen asleep in public before. I've fallen asleep on the train. I've fallen asleep on yeah. the bus. I've fallen yeah. asleep... Uh, you ever miss your stop? Oh yeah, a bunch of times. <laughs> There's been times when I've been leaving. When I used to ride the bus home from work, I would like I'd be like, all right, so I'll just kind of jostle awake in about thirty odd minutes, about thirty five minutes. I'll kind of like mentally wake myself up. All of a sudden, you know, I live in Uptown. I'm in, you know, near Rogers Park. Yeah, and that's always a bad feeling because then I have to wait for the bus going the opposite direction and force myself to stay awake. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the people who can fall asleep anywhere, like my dad, I mean, he goes to bed, he's, he's, he's asleep in 30 seconds. It takes me almost three hours to fall asleep on a regular basis. I'll lay in bed, you know, that's hard living, man. Um, but, and I've talked, I've talked about this before, you know, who can do the power naps? Big O. Oh yeah. Orion Samuelson, man. He's another one of those guys. I've talked to him. He could fall asleep anywhere. And then he'll take the he'll take a power nap. I've seen him sleep in the studio. I'm not kidding. Be- before <laughs> before one of his reports, he'll just take a quick ten minutes, fifteen minutes, wake up, do his fantastic job. Do his yeah. I don't. I just he, it's, he it's learned amazing. that on the farm. It's amazing. You learn to sleep anywhere on the farm. Yep. All right. Uh, how do you stay awake? We've got uh, some pretty unconventional tricks for staying awake when sleep isn't an option. Actually recommended by a doctor. So uh, let's see. Here's uh, Glenn on WGN. Hi, Glenn. Hey, Nick. Love the show. Thanks, buddy. The one thing that keeps me awake at night is simply obligation. You know, obligation to listen to you guys every night. Oh, well, we appreciate that. And the fact that I can't sleep for I don't know what. I mean, I, I, I trade my left kidney for at least five hours of sleep a night. Mm. All right. 
right, thanks, Nick. All right, take care, Glenn. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. We're talking about uh, how do you you stay awake? Third shifters and stuff like that. Yeah, the weekend is, I will say this, the weekend is a weird adjustment. You know what I mean? I've gotten better at it. Yeah, me too. Um, I just stay up criminally late on... (laughs) (laughs) On, <laughs> like, Saturdays. <laughs> yeah, I stay up real late on Saturdays, too. Yeah, Saturdays, I ba- basically, Fridays, I go to sleep early. I stay up as long as I can, and then usually... Now, I, you know what? I try to stay up I try to stay up pretty late on on Friday. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll go to sleep early on Friday, so that sa- Saturday is just everything, and I stay up until, like, 4 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. Yeah, me too. And then go to bed... I go I go to bed very late on Saturdays. Yeah, yeah. So, and sometimes though, you know, if I, if I fall asleep and I wake up, I come back out and I watch TV. You know, uh, but um, it's just weird, man. You know, this shift is weird. Yeah, it is. Shout out to it's, all just, of you. it's just. I mean, I, lo- I love it. You know, I uh, I I'm absolutely. I love it and I love my job. It's just. It's it's very. It's just a little strange, man. And it's a different world. You know. With Lisa Bonet. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what was it? Who was the dude with the flip glasses who was in... Oh, jeez. Uh, he was in uh, uh, Going to Sizzler. He was in uh, uh, White Men Can't Jump. He's the um, one at Going to Sizzler. Going to Sizzler. Kadeem Hardison? Yeah, Kadeem Hardison. Yeah, he was Dwayne. Dwayne, Dwayne Cleophus Wayne. Yep. Dwayne Wayne. I love him in, in White Man Can't Jump. I love him. And that going to Sizzler, that's one of my favorite things ever. Here's Steve on WGN. Hey, Steve. Hey, uh, one of the uh, essential workers you left out who work really odd hours are the uh, air traffic controllers. That's true. Yep. I uh, had a buddy with air traffic controller, and, and, and you know, at least you all have a steady time in the middle of the night, but his schedule in a week, you know, it would, it would widely vary. I mean, he'd be mornings, he'd be through the night, you know, and it would one day to the next. And and he didn't, he never drank coffee before he got that gig, and then he said coffee was the only way he could do it, because he would, you know, work to 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. and have to be there at 4 or 6, you know, whatever, next yeah. morning. Yeah. And he said only, coffee was the only way he could do it. Yeah. Well, it's tough. I mean, you know, I have, I know two air traffic controllers, and they both work at the uh, they both work at the airport in Vegas. Uh, yeah, he's up in he's up in Detroit. Yeah, you know, and the and the, and the power naps I used to do in college, just sleep in the library. You just fall asleep in the library. Yeah, and and the study, Carol. I'd I'd, uh, I'd eat dinner. I'd go up, and I couldn't. It was like art history. I would try to read, you know. The, and there's no pictures, you know. It's all it's all text in the book. <laughs> <laughs> and and I just I just couldn't do it. I I, I, I almost every single day I'd, I'd I'd have to fall asleep, and I'd sleep for maybe an hour. You'd yeah, right in the in the Carol head down. And then I'd be able to study for the next three hours till yeah. the library closed or whatever. Okay. All right, Steve, thanks for the call, man. Yeah, okay, bye. Uh, nice shout-out to the air traffic controllers. Yeah, and I'll tell you, that's a common sight. When I was in college, you walk into that library, I guarantee oh, you, you're, yeah. gonna, you're, you're just playing bingo with trying to find the Listen, weird positions people fall asleep in. When I was in high school at Luther North, study hall was sleep hall. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> you put your head down on the desk, you wake up, there's drool all over the desk. Yeah, you know, study hall and and detention, but you weren't supposed to sleep in detention. You'd have to sneak it. Yeah, you know, if because well, I I had a few atten- uh, detentions in my day. I don't know if you. Oh, know if you would be surprised by that. <laughs> Not gonna lie, I can't say I am. No. <laughs>
Uh, hey, it's Trucker Rich. Hey, Rich. Hey, Nick. How you doing tonight? I'm all right. Uh, glad to see you on the Facebook and stuff that your dad's home and doing doing well. He's good. So. He's good. He can't wait. He can't, out, he can't the wait. Week is starting out better, huh? He can't, he can't wait to get back to work at Jewel. I just think, like, Dad, take some time off, man. Yes, yeah, he needs to sit home and relax and and chase your mom around the house for a yeah. while. He'll uh, he'll t- he'll 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 be telling a joke in a little bit. So, yeah. No, Mondays and Tuesdays are the worst nights of the week for me because you know driving overnights. Friday nights, I end up going to bed, waking up early Saturday, and then on, so on. But Sunday nights and Mondays is massive amounts of diet Pepsi and five-hour energy shot. Oh wow! Yeah, that's once the, I get that's, past once I get past Monday, it, everything's fine. But just those first couple of I, days. Yeah, if I can make it to five fifteen in the morning, I'm wide awake. Yeah, it's like it's like between four and five fifteen. Even if I get up at quarter to four in the mornings, I'm fighting to stay awake until five fifteen. Yeah, so I don't yeah, know what a, it is. It's I weird. Don't it's, I don't know if it's the time of day I was born or what. Yeah. but you know. Well, it's that's it's it, all of us have these weird uh, these weird schedules now. All right, Rich. Thanks, buddy. Yep. Have a good evening. All right. Uh, all right. It's time for Walter's perspective. Um. I was going to say Walter Hill's perspective. That's certainly a perspective. <laughs> Walter Jacobson's perspective. And it is sponsored by HearingHealthCenter.com. Here's Walter. Hardly a day goes by anymore that President Trump does not bark at Mayor Lightfoot. And hardly a day goes by that Mayor Lightfoot does not bark back. He's rattling her cage. She's trying to rattle his. He knows what he's doing. She does not know what she's doing, so she better be careful, because in a political spit fight, the president has an enormous advantage. He gets all the time he wants to speak on TV and tweet on his telephone that Lori Lightfoot is responsible for violent crime and a disaster for Chicago. Compared to the power and audience of a Trump tweet, a Lightfoot tweet's a squeak that the president's a terrorist and a dictator about whom she says she has just two words, starting with an F, ending with a U. Mayor Lightfoot's a rookie at political spitfights. She wounds easily, loses her temper quickly, and barks back angrily, often, apparently, thoughtlessly. She seems not to understand that he's egging her on to bark back, so that he can then tweet back. At the end of the fight, the score is Trump spits twice, Lightfoot spits once, Trump wins. Lori Lightfoot has more pressing things to do than to try to damage Donald Trump. In a spit fight that's being reported and endlessly repeated on TV, Donald Trump is almost impossible to damage, especially by a rookie. I'm Walter Jacobson, and that's my perspective. For more, visit WGNRadio.com or download the WGN Radio app. Who's this? Uh, it's Will to Power. Oh, right. I forgot about this. Very smooth, man. Smooth music. 
10cc. That song was huge in the 70s. Not in love. It's a weird song, too. So, uh, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. Hey, do you know where, uh, you know, the origin of the band name? We're going to be talking about worst band names a little bit later. I do know the origin of that one. Okay. We won't, um, we won't mention it on the air. Yeah. You might have to look that one up. It's a little yeah. indecent. <laughs> indecent. The news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. And after midnight, Dave Berg is going to join us. I'm so excited. He is the author of the book uh, Behind the Curtain. And he was an executive producer on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. And was there during the height of the late night wars. And I'm sure he's got some uh, great stories to tell. Very excited. Dave Berg after midnight. So uh, we've got some unconventional tricks to stay awake. How do you stay awake? If you're a third shifter, if you're a night owl, what are your tips on staying awake? 312-981-7200. Um, Dr. Jedediah Ballard knows a guy who walked straight off the side of a mountain and into a tree, which saved his life. He wasn't suicidal or on drugs. He was severely sleep-deprived. He was an Army Ranger in training. Sometimes the soldiers get no more than 45 minutes of sleep a night for nights on end. Can you imagine that? Um, you fall asleep while you're doing normal activities. It's pretty wild, says Ballard, a former U.S. Army Ranger who is now an emergency physician and assistant professor of emergency medicine for the Medical College of Georgia at Augusta University. Indeed, research shows that lacking sufficient shut-eye is a lot like having a few too many cocktails. In one study of 39 adults uh, who went just 17 to 19 hours without sleep, they performed the same or worse on mental tests as they were liquored up on blood alcohol concentration of 0.5. Enough in most states to get you pulled over for drunk driving. Wow. Sleep, the American Sleep Association reports, is necessary for our very survival. And still, sometimes enough sleep just isn't in the cards. When you're an Army Ranger, an on-call clinician, truck driver, or new parent, here's how you can eke out some sleep so that you can collapse into that cherished bed. First, prepare If you know a night shift, crying baby, or marathon study session is approaching, commit to getting eight or so hours of restorative sleep for at least a few nights beforehand. Experts say um, a a few really good nights of solid sleep, quality sleep, can minimize the impact of a few nights of poor sleep, says Dr. Michael Gardner, director of the Sleep and Health Research Program at University of uh, Arizona in Tucson. After your period of wakefulness is over, don't try to go to sleep for all the hours that you missed. Just get back to your regular routine. It'll sort itself out. That's Mm. pretty good advice, right? Yeah. Well, it does kind of give rise to that idea that you can catch up or store sleep. You know what I mean? Some people say, well, I'm going to catch up on sleep this weekend, and they'll Uh, sleep extra. Sleep extra just because they're going to be up. Yeah. So if you can get those eight hours ahead of time, if you're on that irregular schedule like a nurse or an air traffic controller or anybody like that, uh, it sounds like if you do a few days of regular you know, restful sleep, you kind of store it up for yourself, and your body can handle that push. How about this? Pinch yourself hard. I thought I was awake, not dreaming. 
There's nothing like sitting in a long, dull class when you're already exhausted to test your stay-awake skills. Ballard found in Ranger School. Uh, so he frequently jabbed the non-pointy end of his pen or pencil into his thigh to keep him from nodding off. <laughs> uh, the pain uh, stimulus kicks up the adrenaline a little bit, which wakes you up, he says. If you can do it enough where you're actually a little bit mad at yourself, the anger will keep you going for a while, too. <laughs> Just get fired up, you know? How about this? Getting mad. All right. Uh, if masochism isn't your thing, play a mental, a mean mental game on yourself. Think about someone or something that gets you worked up. Still fuming about the promotion that you didn't get? Does your mom keep nagging you about something that's never going to change? Did your partner say something totally maddening? Dwell on it. Don't yell about it, Ballard suggests. You get that energy, that stimulus flowing through that will kick charge you for a little while. That sounds crazy. I can see that working, though. I said, I just think about, you know, people who bullied me in high school, maybe. Not just get somebody bullied you. You're 6'9. <laughs> and five, 500 pounds. Yeah. Bill Brasky. Bill Brasky. How about this? Get turned on. Far more fun than getting angry. Getting sexually aroused <laughs> works too, Ballard says. <laughs> Ask your partner to send you a flirty picture. Okay. What? <laughs> Come on. Jeez. That's a bit much. Um, or even just imagine something that turns you on. That'll give you a little energy surge and wake you up a bit, he says. <laughs> Risky. Any strong emotion that will keep you awake is surely experienced by at least uh, want to, uh, as, will, as will any quirky trick that, leaves, that you believe helps. Placebo is a powerful thing. As long as it's safe and it feels like it works for you, go for it. How about cool off? Between a long day on the job and nighttime plans, Ballard jumps in the shower and dials the temperature all the way down. You can turn the cold water, you can turn the water cold enough where it alters your breathing. That temporarily spikes your testosterone and adrenaline to make you to keep you awake. You can even do this every morning to supercharge your day, just 30 seconds in super cold water. Uh, to top off your regular shower can do the trick. Cool air, too. Well, that's what they always used to tell me in driving class, was uh, if you're afraid you're going to get sleepy on the road, turn on the AC, because the cold air will keep you, will, you know, you'll start yeah, to shiver, and uh, it'll keep you going. When I was when I was driving, you know, obviously I haven't driven in a long time, I would roll the windows down. Yeah, get if the airflow. If it were flow. like 25 degrees outside, I'd roll the windows down. Yeah, get the airflow going, you'll wake right up. Yep. How about strategize? Consider what your too-tired body has to do before it gets the rest. Then, if possible, plan to do the tasks that require the most attention, say driving or filing a big work report, in the late morning and early evening, and the less important tasks in the early afternoon and evening, Gardner suggests. You may also be able to optimize your performance a little by using uh, circadian rhythms. Capitalize on the morning energy surge further by making sure uh, you get bright light early in the day. Uh, grab a healthy snack. Oh, thanks, Doc. If you're well, you're doing apples. Yeah, that's true. If you're not getting enough sleep and keeping uh, other areas of your health, like your diet, you'll fare better if you throw in a whole if you throw in the whole health towel. 
Say you get busy, skip food for a while, and then you pound down a couple of donuts. You'll get this huge sugar spike and then the crash. That's what you were talking about earlier. Avoid a double crash by eating small, frequent meals with a mix of protein, carbs, and fat throughout your waking stretch. And then tell yourself life could be worse. (laughs) That seems a little bit defeatist, or in a way. Feeling exhausted is a very real physical phenomenon, but there's a mental aspect, too. If you sit there focusing on how tired you are, you'll wind up being more tired, Ballard said. Instead, accept the fact that you're going to be tired for a period of time and move on. You may even remind yourself that compared to, say, soldiers in battle uh, or prison guards on a long night shift, your life is pretty good. It uh, maybe forcing a smile on your face makes it even better. So, hey, your life's not as bad as that other person's. Yeah, it's super helpful. That's what I like to think about when I need to stay up late for the show. <laughs> Just huh? how, there, how many there? There are so many people who are who are worse off. Yep, that's what I like to think about. I like to think about all the people who don't have it as good as me getting to spend five hours a night with Nick DeGelio. Oh yeah, that's a that's a, real, oh, that's a real that's a real treat. God, it just it just brightens my day. It uh-huh. butters my bread. Yeah, it's great. Well, there it is. That's uh, those are some tips on how to on how to stay awake during the very late hours. All right, hey, um, we got the news coming up. And then Dave Berg is going to join us. He's the author of the book Behind the Curtain. He worked for years as executive producer of The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. And I'm sure he's got some really, really cool stories. And we're going to talk with him um, after the news, which is now. Right. When the world is Nick DiGilio here on 720 WGN. Live in the Skyline Studio, 18 stories about beautiful downtown Chicago. It is Monday morning. Uh, and that means my dad's going to call in and tell a joke a little bit later on. We're uh, going to talk about uh, some of the worst band names of all time and some of the weirdest jobs that actually exist and more. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. If you would like to join us, we would love to hear from you. That's the Team Hotberg phone line, 312-981-7200. Very excited to welcome my my guest to the show here. Um, He's a former executive producer of The Tonight Show with Jay Leno and uh, has written a book called Behind the Curtain, and it offers a never-before-seen inside look at The Tonight Show with Jay Leno how it came together from the monologue to the guest bookings. Um, lots of great highlights in this book and um, some behind-the-scenes things that we did not know about. The author is named Dave Berg. Uh, and uh, let's say hello to Dave. Hello, Dave. Hi, Nick. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's my pleasure. Uh, for regular listeners of this show, they know that I'm kind of obsessed with late-night uh, TV. Uh, and I have been for a very, very long time. Um, and... Uh, and I've been watching the Tonight Show forever. I've been watching uh, all the all the late night shows. I just love them. Uh, my, and just yeah. so you know, I'm kind of in awe of WGN. I grew up in Chicago. Oh, uh, which was the great station that carried the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, for many years. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and now we carry the Sox. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, well, I'm gl- I'm glad that you're uh, you're 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 from the hometown. Uh, when did you leave Chicago? Oh 
gosh, it has to maybe, do I have to tell you? <laughs> Probably 30 years ago. I see. All right. Um, so how does one get into uh, late-night television How from your perspective? Probably nobody did it the way I did it. Okay. So, so I, I don't know how to, how to answer that. I, I basically, I wanted to be Paul Harvey. Oh, okay. Uh, maybe some of your listeners remember Paul. and Absolutely, you do. of course. Uh, that's what I wanted to be, right? And I even had the chance to, as a kid, as a teenager, my dad knew somebody. I got to sit in on his radio broadcast. Wow. And I was so intimidated. Um, I, 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 when he asked me questions, I, I couldn't answer him. That's how in awe I was. But the, the bottom line was I couldn't get a job in Chicago to save my soul. Mm. I, I, I couldn't get a job at the Tribune, at any of the stations, because everyone said, you, you know, you're not ready for it. That was what I wanted to be. So what I did is I just uh, I worked in television news, and I worked at every every market you can imagine throughout the Midwest, mm. and then ended up on the West Coast and at NBC News. And then I uh, ended up at the, the Tonight Show, uh, thanks to my wife. Thanks to your wife. What did she do? Well, uh, when NBC News fired me, and uh, that happens to a few people, probably not you, but <laughs> to some people, they get fired in our business. Yeah. And uh, she said, uh, well, you know, why don't you... Uh, why don't, uh, you know, there's this new show, The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. It's going to be starting up in three months. Why don't you go down and talk to Jay? Right? <laughs> I said, yeah, sure, honey. Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> right? Which is, and that's what we always tell our wives. And, and of course, um, um, uh, she, she, she wouldn't let go. I mean, every hour she would call me because I was still working there. Yeah. And, um, um, uh, and, and finally, I ju- just to sort of appease her, I, I went down and actually did go down to the Tonight Show office, and they were looking for someone that had a news a news background. Okay. So it was like the the easiest you know the easiest job I ever got, the hardest job I ever did. Wow, that's amazing! Yeah. How you do, so you got to you got to thank your wife. There's, I mean, there's more to the story. I didn't want to, I didn't want to belabor it, but it's a pretty incredible story. Yeah, yeah. So it led to how long? How long were you with the Tonight Show? The, uh, Twenty years. Wow, that's a lot. Of, boy, that's a run right yeah. there. Yes. Oh wow. Now, did you did you you started right when Jay took over? Yes, and I, I felt like a you know a square peg in a round hole because again I had been a uh, a news reporter. And well, I'd done everything in television news um, and and radio news, um, but I didn't know the first thing about entertainment. So I, I didn't have. If you looked at my Rolodex, there were no names in you know you know in the entertainment category. I could tell you anything about the political world, but I had I had no background in in that area. So um, I felt like okay. I'm kind of faking it here, you yeah. know. Yeah. But uh, and so what I did is I pitch. I kept pitching guests in areas that they had they were not used to. And Johnny Carson maybe had ten political guests in thirty years. Right. You know, I kept pitching those types of guests because that's who I had in my Rolodex. Yeah. Right. And uh, but it, but it was unknown at that time. You go back to 1992. 
Um, and and then when finally um, I I was able to book Bob Dole. Oh, right? okay. Pre- presidential candidate Bob Dole, right? Yeah. And people watched. Hmm. Right, and so every time I would pitch these guests because they had not been on late night, right? Um, they, they kept resonating, and so I, I just kept it just kept working. And then I thought, well, okay, so we should be doing more like Super Bowl quarterbacks and star baseball players and 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 star basketball players and and all these people that had not usually been on late night. Mm-hmm. And so that was my little angle, because I didn't know any. That's all I had in my, my Rolodex. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. But it, it, changed, the, it, it changed the bookings, though, right? It, it, it kind of changed the landscape. Yeah. Because those guests resonated. Yeah. Wow, that's great. Um, and this is uh, Dave Berg, uh, former executive producer of The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. His book is called Behind the Curtain. Uh, Dave, hold on, okay? Yeah. All right. Dave Berg is with us. Uh, Chicago in fan of this radio station very cool uh we got a lot of highlights from this book to talk about and some of the other appearances and things that happened on the to the tonight show uh with jay leno uh and the book is called behind the curtain more with dave berg coming up right here on 720 wgn Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN, uh, live in the uh, Skyline studio here till 4 o'clock. At 4 o'clock, we head over to the TV side over at Bradley Place of WGN. And uh, here's some uh, great news and information from that group. And then Bob Surratt has your morning drive at 5. It is Monday. That means my dad's going to call in later and tell a joke because it's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Right now, my guest is Dave Berg. Uh, He's an author and former executive producer of The Tonight Show. His book, Behind the Curtain, offers a whole never-before-seen inside look at The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, where uh, Dave spent 20 years, and uh, we welcome Dave back. Hello, Dave. Hello. All right. Let's talk a little bit about... Now, you mentioned sports. Yeah. Um, and uh, some, of the, some, of the, some of the guests that you've had in the sports world. Uh, you know who was uh, Terry Bradshaw... Um, <laughs> Uh, who was incredibly entertaining. Now, he, I understand, made the most guest appearances? You're absolutely right. Yeah, ter- Terry was on 60 times. Holy cow! Yeah. Wow, that's a lot. It was. And and the, the, the really funny thing is about, uh, about that is that in the early days, Jay was very hesitant to have sports guests on because he wasn't knowledgeable about sports yeah he only knew there was only one sport he knew a lot about which was boxing oh okay he was, he was fascinated with boxing because his his father had been a boxer oh and he was fascinated with the idea that there could there could there was only one number one i see right? you were yeah. either you were either number one or you were a loser in boxing right and jay and, had, he, and jay had the correct chin for boxing yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Leading with my chin is exactly. how he put it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but other than that, he didn't know anything. So he was a little nervous because he thought that um, 
you know, he wasn't knowledgeable. He couldn't talk about sports. And, and, and it took me a while to kind of convince him that, you, you know what, you're actually on the same page as professional athletes. They believe the same as you do, which is you work hard. You keep, uh, you, you keep, you get knocked to the floor and you get up and you keep fighting until, until you win. Yeah. And, and I said, they have the same work ethic as you. You don't really have to know too, that much about sports. And whatever you don't know, I'll fill you in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also, it also helps that Terry Bradshaw is unbelievably entertaining. You know what I mean? Like, he, he, it's, it's, he's not just strictly sports. You don't have to talk about football only with Terry Bradshaw because he's just so funny. Bingo. Yeah. You hit it on the head. Yeah. Right. They became very good friends, and they became competitive. Right, they would try to outdo each other uh-huh. every time Terry would come on, and uh, they would try to one up each other, and so it became a sort of friendly uh, competition. And and the other thing is, Terry was kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean, he was seeing. I mean, he was seeing a a a, a, a counselor. He, he he. But 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 he was able to capitalize on that. And and he worked for an athlete. He had a very comedic sense, as you've just pointed out. Yeah. He worked on his material, and he was really one of the funniest guests. Yeah. And again, they tried to outdo each other. And and one night, one night Terry was on. Yeah. And uh, his fly was down. <laughs> right. And I thought. I, how is Jay going to handle this? You know, <laughs> is he going to do the right thing and you know tell him during the commercial break, or is he going to do what they normally do, which is to sort of you know sort of um, go after him? So sure enough, before the commercial break, he said, "Hey Terry, I just want to give you, you some advice. You know, when we come back in the next segment, your fly is down." <laughs> but, <laughs> that was the kind of way things went, and it worked really well. Yeah. Wow. And and I never saw that coming. Never saw that coming. Yeah, that's hilarious. It's that is really funny. How did Terry uh respond to that? He he you know, he took it in in good fun. Yeah. But wow. he got back at Jay in his own way. Oh, he did. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, they were always getting back at each other. <laughs> Well, he's a, a very entertaining guy and a, and a, and a really uh as you know, I mean, if he appeared on the show 60 times, he's a great guest, you know. Yes. So, no question about it. The other world of sports, another guy who's hilarious is Charles Barkley. Tell me about the experience of having Charles Barkley on. Well, I have to tell you, I've always said this about Charles. I, I, I've actually been watching him during the uh, the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, my feeling about uh, Barkley is he's he has a natural sense of humor, and I always felt that he was as funny as the funniest, funniest comedian who ever came on. Yeah. He made numerous appearances, and honestly, I don't think he did any preparation. He just had a natural sense of humor, and he was very good at self-deprecation. Yeah. Uh, he had a way of sort of making fun of himself, and he had a little rivalry going on with Tiger Woods with his golf game. Mm-hmm. He had a terrific way of, of sort of making fun of his golf game, and he was always trying to lose weight. Yeah. And um, I put him right up there with, I would compare him to any comedian. Yeah, he's hilarious. I, I've always thought that Charles Barkley was very, very, very funny. And, um, you know, I mean, he also hosted Saturday Night Live a couple of times and, and was great. You know, did, exactly. a, did a really great job. 
Exactly, but uh, he's just great to watch. Um, you know, uh, d- during the uh, you know ba- basketball playoffs. Yeah, yeah, he's he's so entertaining. Uh, yes. D- Dave Berg is with us. He's the author of uh, the book Behind the Curtain. Was executive producer for twenty years at the Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Um, who were some of Jay's favorite guests? He liked um, his his absolute favorite was um, John. Uh, John F. Kennedy Jr. Oh, really? Yeah, oh. and and John Glenn. And jo- oh, John Glenn. Yeah. Yes. Well, what was it about those guys specifically? What was it about uh, JFK Jr. that he? I I think it's because um, it took me um, it, it took us so long to to book John F. Kennedy Jr. It took me six years to get him to get him on. Wow. Because he didn't think he was good enough. He didn't think he, he. I mean, this guy represented American royalty more than anyone else yeah. at that time. Yeah. But he didn't think there was anything that he would say that anyone would have any interest in. Really? Yeah. Wow. It, it was. It was so unbelievable. Wow. Um, but I, I just kept. You know, calling his publicist, and who he had a magazine called George, a right. political magazine. Yeah, so yeah. You always try to get somebody, however, however you can get somebody. I'm sure you know how this works. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. However, uh, you will promote George magazine. Okay, that's not working. Wait, you have a new book coming out. We'll promote the book. Right, 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 right. right. Nothing's working for me. I'm trying to get him. Finally. The the publicist doesn't answer the phone, but his assistant does, and she says. I'm a big fan of Jay Leno, mm. right? Yeah. So I go, oh, this is good. I can work with you, right? I can work with you. You are you're a big fan of Jay Leno. We're a big fan of John Kennedy. So John Kennedy Jr. So I would call her every week, and we would exchange gossip. She would tell me about <laughs> the political world, and I would tell her about Hollywood. And finally, she said, I talked, I talked, um, I talked John into doing the show. And then it turned out to be uh, it turned out to be great the first time. Uh, honestly, I consider the appearance that he did the greatest appearance of of all the years that that Jay was on the air. And and he he was uh, he didn't really want to do it because the one night that he was available he he gave us one date that he was available yeah and that was the night Jerry Seinfeld was supposed to be on on the last night of the Seinfeld show. Oh man. And so I, I told him, I said, the good news is, John, we, you know, the, the date is open. The bad news is the first guest slot is filled, and it's filled by Jerry Seinfeld. It's his last show, and I'm thinking, he's going th- to say, oh, I don't, I'm not going to go second to Seinfeld, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he doesn't say that. He says, Seinfeld's on? No way am I going to do that show. Who's going to want to watch me? yeah. And, and he, he said, I, I, I can't do it. And I said, no, 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 we can work something out. Please, we can work something out. He would only do it if he could talk only about Seinfeld, because he had been the subject oh, yeah. of a Seinfeld episode. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. So he said, it, I ha- it has to all be all about Seinfeld, because nobody's going to care about me. Oh, that's funny. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's funny. It, turned out to be an awesome episode because who do you think was the biggest fan of John F. Kennedy Jr.? Yeah. 
Jerry Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld, sure. Right? Yeah. So you, you like to have chemistry, right? Well, the, the chemistry couldn't have been better that night. Oh, that was great. All right, listen, uh, hang on, Dave. Yeah. All right, Dave Berg is with us, uh, author, former executive producer of The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, and the book is called Behind the Curtain. More highlights from the time that uh, that Dave spent uh, with uh, Jay Leno on The Tonight Show right here on 720 WGN. All right. Hello, Nick DiGilio here on 720 WGN. And uh, we are live in the Skyline studio. Um, and we're here until 4 o'clock. It's a Monday morning. And uh, that means my dad's going to call in and tell a joke. Because it's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. 312-981-7200. That's our number if you would like to join us. Um, Dave Berg is my guest right now. Author, former executive producer of The Tonight Show. Uh, his book is called Behind the Curtain, and he spent 20 years uh, working with Jay Leno and the people uh, at The Tonight Show, booking guests and doing much more. Uh, and let's say hello to Dave. Hello, Dave. Hello. I, uh, can I hear one of your dad's jokes? Uh, well, he's going to tell it later. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's going to tell it later on. We usually have him on like right before the end of the show on uh, every Monday morning. So my dad's been okay. t- My dad's been telling jokes for his whole life. So I love it. Yeah. So uh, let me ask you this. Um, there are some appearances that I definitely want to mention. Uh, God, the night of the cheers finale. Oh, um, <laughs> you think it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it they they had been drinking pretty much during because if I remember correctly, that was the night of the uh, the, the series finale, and I, if I remember correctly, it was a two-hour episode, and they were you guys were live in Boston at the Real Cheers, the bar. Yeah, that that was the setting, the and, classic setting. Yeah, and the cast had been drinking throughout the entire uh, two-hour episode, and so by the time yes. by the time it was it was time for them to go on, they were pretty much three sheets to the wind. Yes. This is almost painful to talk about, but there's an there's an odd twist to this story. How how it turned out? Okay. So um, uh, NBC decided it would be great to go live. From uh, you know this was the uh, this was the the night of the very last uh, episode of Cheers. Yeah. We we went from the classic. Uh, what was the name of that bar? The saloon. I can't remember it, but anyway, it was from there was a, the saloon saloon on which the show was based. Right. And uh, I, I had really strong misgivings about it, and had had, had advised against it. Yeah. It, so much so that I said I, I really didn't want to go because I had had um, experience uh, from my days. I, I worked in television news throughout the Midwest. Yeah. And we used to do live shots, and of course, you would do live shots uh, after a big, like the Super Bowl or something, yeah. and you would do a live shot from a bar, and it, it always ended badly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right? Yep, absolutely. There's nothing funny about people that are drunk in a bar, 
except they think it's funny, but nobody else does. Right. Right. right? And, and I, I just, I, I said, you know, I don't think we should do this. I don't think we should do this. And honestly, I, I, I can't, I can't be a part of this. So, so I wasn't, but they did go ahead with it. And you, you ha- I'm, I'm not, you know, I don't want to besmirch all the, the actors on Cheers, but they had been sitting around all day at this bar, and what do you do yep. when you're sitting around at a bar all day? You just drink. Yep. Right? And they're, um, uh, so Jay does his monologue, and he does interviews with them, and they're not focusing, they're shooting spitballs. Right. Right? Just just like they would, were doing on their own show. It wasn't dis- disrespectful toward Jay, but they were just plain old drunk. Yeah. I remember. And, I remember watching it. I was like, I can't believe this is happening because I watched. Because I'm obviously like most people. I'm a huge Cheers fan, and I was very excited. Me too. Me too. And and I was very excited for the finale, and I thought the finale was great. And then I was really looking forward to the to the interview. But wow, <laughs> it, it went south pretty quick. It went south. But here's the bizarre thing: what we did was that the stupidest thing we ever did, or the smartest thing we ever did, because it turned out. That the uh, that show brought in um, like I, I'm trying to remember it was in excess of 20 million viewers. Wow! I think. Wow. Um, let's see. Um, I can't remember. I, I can't remember the exact number, but it was the highest rated show we did in in the entire life of the show. Wow! So was that a brilliant move or <laughs> a, a dumb move? I, I don't know. Yeah. To this day, I don't know. Yeah. But it was a train wreck. It, it truly was. It truly was. I think Jay did the best he could. Yeah, you couldn't blame Jay. No. Though. I mean, the show was, he, he just didn't have control of it, and yep. there's no way he could get control. Yep, there's no question about it. But it was weird to watch. It really was strange. Yeah. Um, and not, not only was were the actors drunk, but everybody else was, the audience. <laughs> right, the audience. They were was... just sitting around all day. Right. <laughs> Drinking. You can't. You can't. You can't do that. That's not good. No. That is not good. Well, it's, it was memorable. I'll say that. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. Now here's another another appearance that we have to talk about. Now Robin Williams, you know, considered by many to be one of the greatest uh, late night guests that you could have possibly had. Um, and he would just he was on all the time. Didn't need yes, a script. Didn't need anything. And uh, people no. people loved him. Now I didn't know this. He broke his arm on an appearance on the show. Yeah, it wasn't even on the show. Oh, it wasn't. No, but he did break his arm. Well, how did that? What, yes. was, what happened there? Well, what what happened is uh, after the show, every night when the show finished, Jay and the guests would come together and they would do a promo, which would air during prime time uh, in NBC's programming to promote the the, uh, the upcoming show. Got it. Right? And they always did the promo in the area where the guest band played, so there was equipment all over the place. Monitors, wires. It was, you know, uh, it, it, was, it was a dangerous place to be if you weren't watching where you were stepping. Right. And so what happened is they... Uh, they uh, went down to do the promo, including Robin, and he tripped over a monitor. Oh. And he fell, and he broke his shoulder. Mm. I mean, literally broke his shoulder. Oh, man. But he stayed in character. 
So he gets up and he goes, he's like exaggerating that he's in pain. He's exaggerating. He's making it comedic. He's going, oh, this is so painful. But he's doing it in a comedic way. The audience is laughing. They think it's hysterical. Yeah. But he has broken his shoulder. We had an ambulance and immediately took him to St. Joseph's Hospital right next door to us. Right afterwards. Yeah. And he and he ended up having a broken shoulder. Wow. And he cut the promo with the broken shoulder? Yes. Oh. And he stayed true to... He, he stayed in comedic form. Wow. Right? Nobody knew that he was in, in real pain. Wow. That's something. That's really something. How many times was Robin on the show? He, he was a, a frequent guest, correct? He was an absolute frequent guest. I don't have a number, but yeah. I'd have to say it's in it's 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 in it's, it's more than twenty, maybe thirty times. Yeah. Wow. That's a, that, now. Was he ever on uh, when when Jay was host? Was he ever on with uh, Jonathan Winters? Were they on together? Mm, uh, I'm trying. No. Okay. But but of course Jonathan Winters was his his inspiration. Oh yeah, I, I think that happened during the Johnny Carson years. Yeah, okay. I, but I know but, that but, Jonathan yeah. Winters was Jonathan Winters ever on with Jay? Yes, we did have Jonathan, and God bless Jonathan. But he was sort of losing it by yeah. at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just didn't know what he was going to say. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> he was he was comedic to, till the end, but you just didn't know what was going to come out of that mouth. That's true. Yeah, that's true. It did get a little, um, it did get a little nutty towards the end there. Very, very, very nutty. Yeah. But but he was a comedic genius, of course. No question about it. Always, always had memorable appearances whenever he was on the, the late night shows. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Dave, hang on, okay? Yeah. Dave is with us. Dave Berg, uh, who was executive producer of the Tonight Show for twenty years and is the author of the book Behind the Curtain. We got more highlights from the book and more uh, stories about working. On the Tonight Show with Jay Leno. This is great stuff. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. And we'll talk more with Dave right after this on WGN. Somewhere beyond the sea. Somewhere waiting for me. My lover stands on golden stairs. All right. Hello, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. Live in the Skyline studio here until 4 o'clock as we are every weekday morning, uh, night into the morning, 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. At 4 o'clock, we head over to uh, Bradley Place for the TV side of WGN, get some uh, news and early morning news and information from them. And then the great Bob Surratt at 5 has your morning drive. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. If you would like to join us, my guest is Dave Berg. He's an author and a former executive producer of The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. You can follow him on Twitter, at Tonight Show Dave. His book is called Behind the Curtain, and it's got like a never-before-seen inside look at The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. And we've got more highlights to talk about here. Uh, spending 20 years with The Tonight Show is Dave. Hello, Dave. Hello, and if I may say, he is the great Bob Surratt. Oh, he is great, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. It's uh, it's great to have him as our morning drive guy. Yeah, very exciting, very exciting. Um, all right, so let's talk a little bit more about uh, some of the other things that had happened on the uh, on the show, uh, and then I want to get into. Let's talk a little bit. Actually, first, let's talk a little bit about the late night wars. You started with Jay Leno in 1992, um, and that was right around the time the late night wars began. Uh, you know, yes. with, with Letterman going to CBS yeah. and. 
yeah. uh, all the other stuff happening. Tell me uh, what it was like to be like on the front lines during the late night wars. Uh, well, I think you just described it. It was like being on the front lines. Yeah. And from the moment that we started, the press had um, had taken the approach that um, uh, David Letterman was the heir apparent to Johnny Carson right. because Johnny had said that he, he, he preferred David. Well, of course, Johnny was not the president of NBC. Right. Johnny had just said he preferred David. Um, but the press had felt that, you know, that that job was rightfully David Letterman's and that uh, uh, Jay, Jay Leno had, had no right to, to take it and wasn't in the same league as David Letterman. And that's what we were dealing with. There right. was a very hostile environment uh, with the television critics. And we felt like we were in the bunkers. And you, you sort of uh, it, it was it was that kind of environment from the very very beginning, and you sort of form a sort of um, it's it's it, I I I don't want to say it's like uh, you know we are in the bunkers and it's like you're in a battle in a real war because it's not like that but you sort of feel like that yeah. Yeah. Now, what would the relationship between because, you know, uh, uh, Dave and Jay were good friends and uh, Jay Leno appeared on Letterman's show many, many, many times. Um, what was their relationship like during this? Um, they actually did have a great uh, relationship preceding the late night years when yeah. Jay was was one of one was David's favorite guest. They had come up. Um, in uh, the comedy clubs in Los Angeles. Right. And so they went way back. And, of course, it was Letterman and Jay and Robin Williams, uh, Arsenio Hall. I mean, there was, uh, you know, uh, just uh, the halcyon days of stand-up comedy. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but that all sort of went out, uh, that went out the window when Jay got the, the job because Letterman had felt that he himself, had felt that the job was rightfully his. Yeah. He felt and and he was very upset and he he never got over it. It was and honestly the the late night wars was really more about David being upset. We weren't upset. And I don't know why David was upset. He had a great gig at CBS. Yeah. But he never ever ever except for the first 2 years. He did very well in the first 2 years. He was number one, but from that point going forward, we were number one. We got the numbers, yeah, and um, and and it it just rubbed David the wrong way. He never got over it, and it doesn't matter. I mean, he had the press on his side; they called him the king of late night. But it doesn't matter. The only thing that counts is the numbers. Yeah, and we true. had the numbers. Yeah, after the first two years, and so the late night wars that continued. Where does where does Conan O'Brien fit into all this? Well, you had, uh, after about five years or so, uh, Conan O'Brien, who, um, I guess I have to choose my, choose my words carefully here, Yeah, who came off as a really likable guy, but um, he hired an agent that was, you know, basically straight out of hell. Oh, I see. Who, who came and, and played hardball with, at that time, the president of NBC, a name people may be familiar with, Jeff Zucker, yeah. now the president of CNN, yep. and basically said, you know, 
if uh, if uh, if you don't work out a deal that uh, Conan gets the the, the late night slot, uh, we're walking. Which I always thought was hysterical. Where was he going to walk to? Yeah. Where where, the, where was he going to go? Yeah. Right. But at any rate, um, um, Jeff Zucker made a deal with him and said, "Okay, in five years, the job is yours." He made the decision before consulting with with Jay. Okay. And so Jay was essentially fired. Uh, yeah, and then uh, but and then it it they gave Jay the primetime slot preceding the Tonight Show for that short period of time when Conan was the host. Well, they they gave you're absolutely right. They gave Conan the Tonight Show. Yeah. And Zucker figured, uh-oh, what did I just do because Leno has been number one, right? He's, I mean, over that five-year period, yeah. his ratings just kept getting stronger. And, and Zucker figured out, wait a minute, um, there's ABC, and ABC wanted Jay in a big way. They did. I know they did. Yeah. I, I had a, a friend, an executive at ABC, who gave me a tour of the studio where we would be, uh, they had already built a studio for Jay. Wow! Right, and I toured the studio. Right, so that was for real. Oh, and um, um, but uh, Zucker just out of desperation decided, okay, all right, let's give Jay Leno the primetime slot, and which was a disaster. Yeah, right, because yeah. here we are going up against you know uh, these uh, um, slick shows that that are spending 4 million dollars a week like lost right 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 and we're doing our sh- show that costs 750,000 a week and we just didn't com- couldn't compete with them yeah but at the same time conan within the first 2 weeks we had held the number 1 slot i'm a little biased so it cut me a little slack here yeah we had held the number one slot for 15 years, mm-hmm. and Conan managed all on his own to uh, slip to number two within two weeks. Wow. After we were off the air. Wow. Uh, and then, then we went to the primetime slot, and it was just, we didn't do well, and he didn't do well. It was a disaster. Yeah. So they had to fix it. So NBC had to fix it, and they put Jay back in. Right. And Conan got bent out of shape. Yeah. Um, Conan didn't like the arrangement that that we made. Um, the idea was that we would be on the air for a half hour, preceding Conan. Yeah. At eleven thirty Eastern, ten thirty Central, and then Conan would be on for an hour from you know midnight to one p.m. But he felt that wasn't good enough, so he turned it down. Yeah. Wow. Uh, it was an interesting time. Okay, uh, Dave, yeah. hang on, hang on, Dave. All right, Dave Berg is with us, uh, who is the author of Behind the Curtain, was executive producer for 20 years at The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Um, Many more stories to talk about here. 312-981-7200. And we'll get back to the conversation. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. 
uh, live in the Skyline studio here. Dave Berg is my uh, is my guest, uh, author on a former executive producer on, on the Tonight Show with Jay Leno. The book is called Behind the Curtain, and uh, tons of great stories about what it was like to work for twenty years on the Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Uh, and hello, Dave. Hi. Hey, thanks for being with us. We appreciate this. Thank you, Nick. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah. Um, you know, we we're talking a little bit about uh, some of the athletes that uh, that appeared uh, on the Tonight Show. We've got uh, we got to mention Mark Grace. Uh, you know, being being from Chicago and being a Cubs fan, Mark Grace was one of my favorite Cubs. Um, what was it like to... And mine. Uh, okay. That, it must have been really nice to have him on the show. Tell me about what it was like to have uh, Mark and what was the story like. Well, we, uh, we did a week of shows in Chicago. Yes. And which was the, the highlight of my career because I was able to book, you know, the Chicago Cubs... You know, all the big names, Harry Carey, the Chicago Bears, the Bulls. Yeah. They were all on. Yeah. So I was in, in my, my heyday, but my the highlight of that whole time was to be able to book Mark Grace, who was, you know, my favorite Cub yeah. at the time. Yeah. And, but I don't know if I would have been able to, to, to get him on, but... um yeah, I, I, uh, and so we we uh, we brought him out, and the idea was for him to break the Billy Goat curse, right? <laughs> so we had, uh, I think, was it Sam Sienis's yep. nephew? I'm trying to remember with the Billy Goat. Yeah, um, and hey, maybe we did break the curse because in 2016 it kind of worked out. Yeah, it did. It did. Um, so was it was it fun to have Mark on? Was he was he a good guest? Yeah, and it, and it was. Partly because I it was it was I I thought it was fun to see him being in awe of being there with you know like Oprah you know yeah and, and others when I thought well wait you're a big star in your own right yeah now were these were these uh, episodes were they was that at the Chicago Theater yes yeah yeah we had a huge I don't know what that holds but it. I don't know, several thousand. Yeah. No, that's a big theater. That's a big theater, yeah. especially for uh, you know for, for doing a late-night talk show. Yeah. Wow. So you spent a week um, in Chicago at the at, – at the, uh, those must have been fun times for you. Oh, it was, it was awesome because, I, I, as I said, I was able to get all, the te- all three teams on. That's great. That's great. And I, I, and I bet the crowds were, were really uh, uh, responsive. There's nothing better than uh, a good crowd in Chicago. Yeah, yeah, especially no, when they you were, have... especially when you have um, the the, um, the their sports heroes on. Right. Yeah, they'll go nuts. We we love our yeah. sport. We love our sports, yeah. as you know. We love yeah. our sports here in Chicago. Yes. So, well, that's fun. Uh, what about uh, doing other uh, other? You know, like not just Chicago. Where else did you tra- Where did you? Where, where else did you go on the road to do shows? Um, New York. We went to Las Vegas a, a number of times. And what was that like? I, I don't. I didn't like Las Vegas because it was just um, you're in the casino and it's it's always loud. Yeah. Right. I mean, I uh, in some respects it was it was it was a lot of fun, but it was just noisy. I, I don't do well in that environment. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I wish I had a more exciting story. Yeah, no, but Vegas is. I've never been to Vegas, but uh, because I don't, yeah. I don't gamble. Um, but uh, from all reports, it's just real bright and real loud. 
Because they got yeah, I mean, and it, it just never goes away when you're working there. Yeah, and you can, it's because they got to keep everybody awake so that they can, can, can so they can <laughs> yeah. continue gambling. That's what it is, right? So um, now, were there any guests that were banned that not, were not asked to come back? Were there any sort of like guests that went so poorly that they were either edited from the show or they were banned? I don't. I don't. You know, those are harsh words. We did have a falling out with Howard Stern. Okay, well, I'm not surprised. <laughs> not surprised by that for some reason. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you knew what my answer was going to be, or if you were just throwing that question out. No, I was just throwing the question out. I didn't know. Okay. Him. Yeah. Yeah. No, Howard Stern had been a big supporter of ours, and we had very few supporters. Yeah. Very few. Yeah. Uh, because you you know again the TV critics felt that uh, that uh, late night belonged to. To David Letterman, right. and how dare we take that? And I already talked about that. But Howard Stern was a supporter of Jay's, and Jay was, did Howard Stern regularly, and and Howard did uh, our show regularly. But Howard always like Howard was sort of was, uh, on a trajectory. You know how if you you uh, you make a splash by outdoing yourself, yeah, you do something that's outrageous. So the next time you have to do something. Even right. more outrageous, right? right? Yeah, and, and that's, that that's, was, that's Howard's M.O., too. Exactly. Yeah. So he had a new book coming out, and he decided he was going to really, really make a big splash. Now, you have to go back in time to the mid-'90s to understand what I'm about to tell you. Yeah. What Howard did, and he didn't tell, I, I, didn't, I didn't personally work with Howard. Yeah. I didn't produce his segments, um, but what he did was he decided he was going to stage a first in late night television, the first lesbian kiss on network television. Oh man, Howard! Which is doesn't mean anything today. I know. Yeah. yeah. Right. So he he sneaked a couple of strippers into his dressing room and hid them in the bathroom. Oh God! <laughs> All right. right? So he comes out on on stage, you know, they talk a little bit about his book, and he said, Jay, we have a a big surprise for you tonight. And let me tell you something about Jay, and this is true of all hosts, he doesn't like surprises. Yeah, I understand that. I totally understand that. (laughs) Right? Because when you're the host, you're the general of the show, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're in charge, right? Right, right. So out come these two, you know, lesbians quotes and they do a kiss and then they sit on his lap and he spanks one of them and jay's sort of looking over at us what's going on yeah you know yeah and he he just he actually walked off the set jay did yeah wow now he came back right and we recorded it nobody knew about that yeah and the, the the director to her credit filmed it in such a way as you didn't see yeah you really didn't see the kiss directly, and you didn't see the girls being spanked. Yeah. Jeez. Um, but it wasn't good, and um, and we, at that point, our good, friendly relationship with Howard Stern broke off. Yeah, I can imagine. Okay. Uh, Dave, hang on, okay? Yeah. All right. Dave Berg is with us. Wow, what's some amazing stories. I'm not surprised that Howard would pull a stunt like that. Uh, he's an author and a former executive producer of The Tonight Show. The book is called Behind the Curtain. More with Dave Berg coming up here on 720 WGN.
tall, could have used a few pounds. All right. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. Having a great time talking with Dave Berg. So many great memories and stories. He spent 20 years executive producer of The Tonight Show, wrote the book Behind the Curtain, and has so many stories about what it was like to work with Jay Leno on that show. Uh, Dave, thanks for hanging out with us. I love doing it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, so let's talk a little bit about uh, 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 some of the other things that happened on the show. Angie Hartman got uh, proposed and got engaged on the show. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, it's the the that was cool because um, you know I honestly I I um, uh, my uh, favorite medium has always been radio. Okay, that's where I started, and I always liked it. And because you you have a chance to be spontaneous in radio, right? Right. Like I don't know any of the questions you're going to ask me. Right. Right. But that that never happens in television, right? Uh, and so spontaneity is uh, is really a rare thing, right? And um, so uh, Angie comes on, and she doesn't know we had all we had worked out with her uh, fiance, who's Jason Seahorn, who at that time was a big New York Giants uh, football star, right? And and he came out. I mean, she came out to do her segment, and. Um, I'm trying to remember, again, I didn't expect this question. Jay kept asking her about her boyfriend, what's her relationship, and she's starting to get uh, irritated, right? Why, <laughs> yeah. do you keep, why are you asking me about Jason? I, I'm, I'm not here for Jason. Why are you asking me about him? <laughs> right. And she's actually getting, um, uh, she's actually getting uh, annoyed. Yeah. Um, and uh, Elton John is out there at the same time. <laughs> And, uh, and, uh, and, and he's teasing her. He's going, why don't you want to talk about him? Is he gay? <laughs> right? It, 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 was, it was hysterical, but the problem is she's starting to get upset. So right. um, about that time, Jason came out and proposed to her. And it was, I mean, the, the look of surprise in oh, her yeah. face. Mm-hmm. You can't duplicate that, and it was incredible for me because, as I said, when you're in television, there are very few moments of spontaneity. Yeah. Well, it was a very memorable moment, i got to tell you. Yeah. yeah. It was a, a special moment for all of us, yeah, I including Angie. I, I would imagine so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, too bad the marriage didn't last, right. but that's, <laughs> an, that's another story. Right. <laughs> that's right. Well, it is a Hollywood marriage, so, you yeah. know. That's that's uh, that that might happen. Hey, uh, who came up with the dancing Edos? We're going to go back to the '90s again. Um, as, as everybody knows, Lance Edo was the judge during the O.J. Simpson trial, uh, and then you had the dancing Edos. Well, how did that come to to pass? Yeah, I'll, I'll t- actually, that's a really good question because um, there's a, there's another layer to that question, and that is at that time Letterman was number one. Got it. And and the press is coming down on Jay. He's just milk toast. He's he he doesn't have the comedic chops of of David Letterman. And Jay decides, wait a minute, wait a minute. This O.J. Simpson trial is nothing but a circus, and we should portray it that way. Yeah. And that's how I'm going to portray it. And by the way, Jay has a lot of inside information coming from the cops. Okay. Right? And he knew from them that O.J. Simpson was guilty as hell. Mm-hmm. So he had no issues with, you know, well, we have to let this play out in the courtroom. 
right? He, he portrays this from the beginning that O.J. Simpson is guilty as hell. Yeah. And that kind of resonated because most people felt that way. So he decides to portray this as the circus that it is yeah. and it's becoming. And he came up with the dancing Edos. Wow. And this was a bunch of dancers. We had a choreographer. They came out. They dressed like the judge, Judge Ito, who, who, by the way, was the biggest fan of the dancing Edos. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I I just remember that took off. I mean, that was huge, the dancing Edos. It it, it basically set us on the way to number one. Our ratings just, you know, didn't quite move past to number one, but but we were on the way because it showed Jay being edgy, which yeah. he didn't have a reputation right. for being edgy, right. and and uh, this turned it around. But and, and again, even Judge Ito liked it, and so he actually called Jay and asked him if he would come down and perform for the jurors. <laughs> what? Which he did. He did. Yes. <laughs> did not know that. that- yeah. Did not know that. That's pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. So the dancing Edos. How long? Uh, how long a run did the dancing Edos have? I mean, you know, the trial. Well, we milked that. that. Yeah. That had to. I, I'm just. I'm doing this off the top of my head. I'm thinking four to six months. Yeah, that doesn't. That were, seems about right. Dancing, we went from that to the dancing Rodmans. <laughs> <laughs> and and all these other dancing. Um, you know the names. Uh, each of the attorneys. Uh, the, the the dancing Marsha Clarks. Yeah, you know. So it turned into a whole thing. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. And all it was all Jay's idea. That's pretty cool. That was all Jay. That's pretty cool. All right. Uh, how how was Jay with animals? That's always become like a, you know, a late night trope right there. Is you know like bringing out an animal expert and having the animal on the desk and maybe the animal tinkles and you know. Weird stuff happens. Was Jay was Jay happy about those uh, segments? The thing about animals, animals were our secret weapon. Okay. Um, whenever animals came on, it, it was a, it was the, the ratings were all it was the ratings went through the roof. Yeah, people loved the animals. Yeah. And so it, our problem was to cut back on, on the animals because we didn't want to overdo it. But every time animals came out, I'm trying to think of, I, I didn't expect this question or, or any of your questions, by the way. They're all good questions. <laughs> Thank you. But I can't remember the name of the Aussie that was the... Uh, uh, Steve Irwin. Steve Irwin. Yeah. If you were to say, who was by far your most successful guest? It, it, I'm going to tell you it was Steve Irwin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, he was, he was, his segments were always great. Now his son's doing it. Exactly, yeah, yes. Yeah, keeping the... And we had such a great relationship with Steve that when, when he died, Jay did an obit in Time Magazine for him. Oh, wow. And spoke at the funeral. Wow. Yeah, he uh, was but, he, memorable they guest. Were, uh, they were our secret weapon. Yeah. Yeah, the animals now, you know, did the animals start with Johnny? You know, and then everybody... Yes. Everybody started doing animal segments then after Johnny took after it took off on uh, on the Tonight Show with Johnny. It, 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 that's right, and he did it with uh, the the guy from the Columbus Zoo. Um, yeah, uh, Jim um, Jim but, Fowler. Yeah, no, it was another guy. But anyway, okay, it, it doesn't it doesn't matter. The, uh, those guys were stars in their own right. Yeah, 
Yeah. So this, because, and and the reason is you never knew what the animals were going to do. That's exactly that's exactly what it was. It was you you were talking about earlier how difficult it is, uh, Dave, to to to, to have spontaneity. Bring out an animal. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or bring out a kid. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> if you, you have it. Exactly. But the animals were better than the kids. Oh yeah, I agree. <laughs> I totally yeah. Agree. Because the kids were actors, right? Right. And they weren't that spontaneous. Right. 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 But you know, you don't. Know, you have no idea what an animal is going to do, and and right. the, and the result. And Johnny and Jay both handled it perfectly. They both did. Right. Um. That's really, really, and it's a tradition that's on every late night show. I mean, the, and, and it continues to this day. Yep. No question about it. Um, so, all right, Dave, uh, the book is, uh, it's out there. It's available. It's called behind the curtain, correct? That's right. And I appreciate it. Yeah. Behind the curtain and insider's view of Jay Leno's tonight show. Okay. And it's available right now and you can uh, be followed on Twitter at tonight show, Dave, tonight show, Dave, uh, 20 years as executive producer of the tonight show. What a run, Dave, what a run. Uh, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. Well, it was. It's been just a real pleasure talking to you. Uh, you know, I happen to be a huge, huge fan of late night, uh, of late night shows, and uh, and obviously the granddaddy of them all is the Tonight Show. So, um, Dave, thank you so much. And thank you, Nick. Okay. Take care. That's Dave Berg hey. from Chicago, in fact, which we discovered he is a Chicagoan. Um, and uh, the book is called Behind the Curtain. He spent 20 years on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. What great stories. What a lot of fun that was. Okay, uh, we, thanks Dave. we thank Dave. All right, 312-981-7200 is the phone number. It's Nick DiGilio on 720 WGN. the Dan. Nick DiGilio here on 720 WGN, live in the Skyline studio on a Monday morning. We'll be here till 4, 4 o'clock. We head over to Bradley Place to the TV side of WGN, get some early morning news from that group. And then uh, Bob Surratt, legendary Bob Surratt, is your morning drive host at 5. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. That is the Team Hochberg phone line. And uh, we would love uh, to hear from you. We're going to be talking about some uh, weird jobs that actually exist. Uh, <laughs> uh, we got some. Uh, we always play back some uh, comedy from uh, Johnny Carson show. You can watch the Johnny Carson show um, every night on Antenna TV, and every morning around two thirty, we play back some uh, classic comedy from the Carson show. Sometimes it's sketches, sometimes it's interviews, and sometimes it's stand up. And uh, we're going to go back to nineteen ninety one for some stand up from the legendary Larry Miller. Uh, Larry Miller, so funny. I saw him at uh, I saw him live back. I want to say nineteen ninety, eighty nine or ninety. Mm-hmm. Um, at did, the did he do his five stages yes, of drunk? He did. That's like his signature move. It's um, it's brilliant. It's very well done. Yeah, that's like his greatest hit. Yeah, I mean he's got a lot of. I mean he's a very funny guy. Sure, he's been in a ton of movies. Ton of movies. Too. He was also yeah. the he was also the creepy doorman in the Seinfeld episode. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very funny. I actually saw 
him at the improv when they used to have the improv downtown here, mm-hmm. the improvisation. And I went with Kathy O'Malley. No way. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was when I was dating her daughter. You went out with Kathy O'Malley's daughter? I did, yes. That's a, how'd that go? It went uh, it went. <laughs> it was good. It was fun. Long time ago. Very, very long time. Sure. So but yeah, we saw we saw Larry Miller. He was great. He was really, really great. So uh, it's always fun to listen to that. My, and, and speaking of comedy, my dad's going to call in and tell a joke. Um, so he's going to be raring to go. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. All right, here's the question. Tom, you were never in a band, were you? I actually, uh, I've been in a couple bands. Really? Yeah, I'm currently in a band. It's not a very good band. I mean, it's a pretty good band. Wait a minute, you're in a band? Yeah, I'm in a band. What? Yeah. What instrument are you playing? I play the drums. Yes. Okay. Okay. Do you gig? Uh, no, no, no. This is more of a recent development. <laughs> How did I not know this? What do you? We... I've told you I play instruments. Yeah, I didn't know you were in a band. Is it originals or covers? Uh, originals. Originals. We've got. I think I want to say about like five five good ones pretty much in the bag. Could use a little work, but no, not bad. Uh-huh. I've sent a little bit to Vic. I'll send some to you if you want to hear it. <laughs> uh, very rough around the edges. How often do you practice? Uh, usually about once a week. Where? Uh, we, we practice in a space... Um, called treehouse records so it's a place where it's both a recording studio and a place where you could just rent pra- rehearsal hall. yeah rehearsal hall yeah basically so we um we've got our own little room you know what's the name of the band <laughs> uh uh buff tucker and the tough buckers get out of here i'm dead serious i'm dead serious <laughs> buff tucker and the tough buckers you know, you say that fast, and you're going to make a. You're going to, you know. I'm going to have to dump could myself. Be a, it in. could be a mistake. Yeah, well, that's why I choose my words intentionally. How many people in the band? Uh, four. Four. Yeah. So you basic. You got two guitars. Two guitars. Bass. Bass. Drums. Drums. Yeah. Uh, who does the vocals? Uh, that's our our friend Gibson. He is Buff Tucker. Uh huh. And we are the proverbial tough buckers. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had no idea that you were in a band. Where did that name come from? Oh, my God. Because we're going to talk about <laughs> terrible band names. Oh, that's when we've been kicking her. We'd been kicking that around for probably like at this point, almost like I'd say like six years. Six years? Yeah, six years ago we came up with that name. And we just never found the right way to make it work. The name, The name definitely came first. Because <laughs> we just thought it was so funny. So you formed a band around that name. Yes. I wonder how often that happens. Um, I wonder how often bands come up with names and then go, hey. It's not a bad name. Yeah. I, I, I would say more often than you think, but definitely not that often. I, I feel like the the name should come second. You would think. And you I know think. a lot of band goes the, a lot of bands go through different names. And in fact, sure. you know, we've got some original band from famous these we got original names from famous bands mm-hmm. their original names that that were terrible 
and I also found a list of terrible band names that exist. Um, but yeah, so three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. What are some terrible band names? Have you ever been in a band? And what was the name of your band? Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. One of the weirdest names. My my my. I've you know I've got a lot of musicians for friends. You know, Scott plays guitar and sings. Scott Oaken. My uh, late buddy Joe Donatello played bass, keyboards, um, little drums too. And between the two of them, they were in like they were in a bunch of bands. One of which, my friend Scott, was in a band called Labial Palps. Oh my god! You know what Labial Palps are? Uh, not exactly. I can guess. I can take a shot in the dark as to what I don't think you're gonna. To. I don't think you're gonna get it. I'm not googling it. I'll tell you that much. You, you would be safe. No, it's safe. Uh, so yeah, he was in a band called Labial Palps. I'll tell you what those are in a minute. Where that name came from, I don't know where they. I don't know how they decided that that was going to be the name of the band. Um, I'm trying to remember some of the names that uh, of the bands that Joe was in. Joe was in a ton of bands, my buddy Joe. Uh, I'm trying to remember now, and I can't. I can't really think of them. But he, but you know, between you know four or five guys that I know that play instruments, they've been in a ton of bands, and you know, names just been flying around. Now, the labial palps. What what is that? Those are the muscles that hold. They're the muscles that hold um, clams shut. Oh. So there's nothing dirty about it. Okay. Or oysters or clams. I can't remember. I think it's clams. Mm-hmm. They're like the little... You can you can actually Google it. It's not going to come up weird. Labial palps. And they are like the inside muscles that hold... Uh, it is clams. Yeah. Yeah. And I have no idea why they came up with that name. Oh, I remember one, one of Joe's band's names in the, in the 80s was Tear Memory. What? Yeah. Oh, my God. It's when they had a female lead singer. Tear memory. Tear memory. What's that supposed to even mean? I don't know. It was the 80s, man. Yeah, I guess anything was fair game. Yeah, it was mid-80s. I mean, but you also had great names. I don't even like the band, but Poison. That's a great band name. Yeah, it is. I mean, especially for the for the kind of music they yeah, play. Yeah, Poison. Yeah. Do you have, what, are, what are some of your favorite bands? I mean, I, I love, you know, my, my Buffalo Tom, I think, is a fantastic That's name. That's a great name. Um... Honestly, I think Red Hot Chili Peppers is a great band name. They had some terrible names leading up to it. What um, were some of the other names? Uh, I, I want to say, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was, oh yeah, Spigot Blister and the Chest Pimps. What? That was one that they had for a period of time. There's a different one in that article. But yeah, Spigot Blister and the Chest Pimps. That's ridiculous. All right. Worst band names is what we're talking about. Boy, we're coming up with some buttes, and we're not even three minutes into this conversation. Um, we'd love to hear from you. What are some band names that you think are terrible? And we've got uh, some. I got a, a full list of terrible band names, plus original names of famous bands. Before they actually found a band name that didn't stink. Uh, we'll take a quick break here, and we'll come back. 312-981-7200 is the phone number if you would like to join us. Talking about terrible band names, and um, I've got this uh, article here about original names of bands 
that were terrible but then would go on to be famous after they ch- after they changed the name. So, 312-981-7200. Uh, it's Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN. How about this for a name of a band? Crowded House? Yeah. I think great name. I do too. Also a great band. Exactly. Australian. Yes. Uh, It's Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN. Uh, We're going to be talking about some very weird jobs that actually exist. What's the weirdest job you ever had? We're going to play back some Carson Comedy Classics with some stand-up from the great Larry Miller from 1991. Monday, that means my dad's going to call in and tell a joke. 312-981-7200 is the phone number, and the news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. All right, there are a lot of, as we all know, there are a lot of weird band names out there. And sometimes, you know, you you throw like a couple of words in a hat and pick it out, and then you end up being called that. Um, So uh, 312-981-7200 is the phone number. Here's uh, Donna on WGN. Go ahead, Donna. Hi, Nick. Uh, Squirrel Nut Zippers is the name of a band. Yep. They're a very popular uh, band, too. Very popular. They they named themselves after uh, Chewy Peanut Caramel Candy. Oh, they did? Yes. The, the, it was the name of a candy before it was the name of a band. Oh, I didn't know that. I knew. I mean, I know the band, but I didn't know where the origin of the, of the name came from. And so, by, I'd imagine it was the name of Squirrel Nut Zippers. People probably thought it was name pulled out of a hat kind of thing yeah but it actually was a, it actually was a candy okay. i like it yeah all right donna thanks <laughs> you take yeah, care okay. Nick. yep squirrel nut zippers they're like a they're like a neo swing band sort yeah, of yeah it was back in like the big you band. know remember when brian setzer yeah orchestra yeah and big bad voodoo daddy all those there, there was that period of time in the late eight, in the late 90s yeah uh mid to late 90s where that was just a thing. I used to love Big Bag Voodoo Daddy. <laughs> Did you? I was really. I love swing music. I really do. I think it it's was, a really it's, fun. It was. Thing. I'll tell you something. There was a period of time for about a year and a half where that's all that was played on the jukebox at Simon's. Really? Oh my god! People but... were just ridiculous about it. So, that's madness. Uh, here's Michael on WGN. Hey, Michael. Yeah. Hey, Nick. How's it going? All right. Um. So I got a really easy one. Uh, the band's name is Garbage. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, they're one of my favorite bands. I think they're incredible. Uh, but it's it's just so funny because my wife hates them. And every time I bring them up, she, you know, it's just the, the obvious joke. Oh, they're garbage. Yeah, I think they're great. I think garbage is, I think garbage is great. And um, I think it's kind of a fun name, actually. Yeah, so. it's, it's kind of ironic, right? And a phenomenal lead singer, by the way. A phenomenal. Oh, it's the best. Yeah. So, okay. All right, Michael, thanks. Thanks. Yeah, garbage is a weird name, though, right? Yeah, um, I, I like garbage well enough. Oh, I like, really, I, I'm a big fan of garbage. Yeah, they, I guess, formed in Madison, Wisconsin. Garbage is from Madison, allegedly. What? Yeah, garbage is an American rock band formed in 1993 in Madison, Wisconsin. Scottish singer Shirley Manson, Butch Vig, 
probably best known for his producing efforts. Yeah. He produced Nevermind, among yeah. other things. I can't... Uh, yeah, okay. Just a little confused by... Uh, the yeah, whole, the Madison, the Wisconsin... Shirley thing. Manson thing is... Uh, yeah, how did you wind up... I'll, I'll do a little bit of uh, all right. internet research here. Okay, how about Tom and Jerry? That was uh, Simon and Garfunkel, That's right? right? Simon and Garfunkel's yeah. uh, first name was Tom and Jerry. Which is kind of a goofy name, don't you think? Tom and Jerry? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, granted, the cartoons hadn't been and hadn't come out yet, right? Oh, like, yeah. How long have those been around? Tom and Jerry? Yeah, when did Tom and Jerry start? 50s? Really? Oh, sure. Darn. Oh. Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel were just 15 years old when they started shopping their songs around the Brill Building in 1956. Boy, the Brill Building. What kind of songs came out of that place, huh? Wow. I know. The, uh, the output from Carol King alone. <laughs> That's true. Would you, would you say there's, in terms of duos, is there any two voices that harmonize better than Simon and Garfunkel? Uh, uh, yeah. Well, they're definitely they're one, up there. I mean, yeah, they're I, I think there are. I think there are other great vocals that harmonize. Mm. Um, how about the Square Roots? Well, that was just the Roots. Right? Yeah, yeah. Why would they? The Square Roots are they math guys? Well, you know, uh, Quest Love's got those big glasses on them. Kind of looks nerdy. Always wearing like a suit and stuff. Yeah. Out of Philly, of course. They're proud of that. Um, oh, well, this is a classic one. Mookie Blaylock. Pearl Jam. Yep. <laughs> the The first concert that they ever did uh, was in October of 1990. Man, did those guys take off quick. Holy cow. Under the name Mookie Blaylock, a New Jersey Nets player whose basketball card wound up in the tape case of one of their early demos. It was just kind of goofy, admitted Eddie Vedder. But the first week, we were too busy working on songs to think about a name. Um, the story of how they came up with Pearl Jam uh, has been much talked about over the years, largely due to the fact that Vedder claimed it was after his grandmother, Pearl, who created Hallucinogenic Jam. <laughs> but the real story is far more mundane. Bassist Jeff Emmett randomly thought of the name Pearl, and the rest came to them after they saw Neil Young and Crazy Horse play a killer set at the Nassau Coliseum on the Smell the Horse tour. Every song was like a 15 to 20 minute jam. So that's how jam was added. Neil Young inspired those guys a lot. Yeah, they inspired <laughs> pretty much that entire movement, man. Oh, well, yeah. You know, I'm surprised. I've often said that if there would be no grunge, if it weren't for Black Sabbath and Neil Young, yeah, that oh, absolutely, that's it. That's that's the concoction. And and Neil Young, you know, rode the coattails of that thing, right? Oh yeah. I mean, he became huge again. Finally, I can take my flannel out. He's uh, yeah, no, I I remember in the early '90s, he just did. He had this incredible uh, stretch. Where like all these all these kids like in their twenties were suddenly going, who's this Neil Young guy? Yeah, you got a bunch of <laughs> college coeds really into after the gold rush. 
Great album. Amazing album. Yeah. But at that time, I guess uh you wouldn't uh you wouldn't have pegged children, you know, kids to be And he was to like the young. he was like the godfather of the flannel. Sure. He wore he wore the flannel stuff long before the the kids in Seattle did. Yeah. He was a <laughs> gross Canadian. He's a Canadian dude, yeah. Yeah. How about this is on a Friday? Oh, that's uh Radiohead. Where did that come from? Because that's when they used to practice. Oh, they practiced on Fridays. Yeah. Okay. I think Radiohead even... It's a Talking Heads yeah, song. Yeah, Talking Heads, yeah. Yeah, that's where it comes from. How about the obelisk? The the obelisk. The obelisk. Uh, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. I actually do know this. Yeah? If, ah, I, say, if I say goth. Oh, yeah. It's... um. <laughs> the cure yeah the cure yeah that should be the first thing to pop into your head when you say goth is the cure well i also think of uh I'm trying to think who else, who else was goth Susie sue i always think oh Susie yeah sue. sure and the banshees um they also had a bunch of lineup changes they were malice and easy cure and then they dropped the easy <laughs> malice yeah. Try harder to be goth, why don't you, Robert Smith? How about Smile? That was Queen. Yeah. Queen's a great name. Queen, amazing name. Yeah. Well, and plus they went for the whole royal look and everything like that on the oh, albums. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it was a perfect the, name for that band. Yeah, they perfect. Had the line Especially, you know, because I, I, Freddie Mercury is one of the greatest front, front men of all time. Mm. He's a perfect front man for that band. What a voice. What yeah. a voice. Now, there's harmonies right there. Queen. True. Yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody, man. Well, of course. Of course. You know, for the longest time, I didn't believe that the other members of Queen sang on that. I thought it was just Freddie Mercury double Being tra- looped and stuff? Yeah, tracking tracking no, against himself. them, man. Yeah, what was the name of the uh, the drummer? Uh, Brian? No. No, Brian May is the guitarist. Brian May is the guitarist. Who Roger... It's Roger Taylor. Yeah. Who wrote that song about his car. Yep. I'm in <laughs> love with my car. How about Atomic Mass? Oh, God. I, I couldn't tell you. Def Leppard. Oh, that's... I, I like Atomic Mass. That's kind of cool. Atomic Mass is defined first as a mass of an atom, and second as a really bad idea for a band name. Um... They were out of Sheffield, England. Joe Elliott, Rick Savage, guitarist Pete Willis got together. The original band was called Def Leppard with an A, so the actual word spelled correctly. And then they, because of Led Zeppelin, because of Led Zeppelin, they dropped the A and uh, just became Def Leppard, D-E-F. They were inspired by Zeppelin. Um... I think Def Leppard is a pretty cool name, and I, and I think it's neat the way they spell it. I always thought Def Leppard was a pretty cool name for a rock band. Boy, did those guys take... Those guys also took off. Man, oh man. Pyromania, Hysteria. Those albums were massive. So, and it's amazing that they continued after Rick Allen's accident. I mean, there's something to be said about that. Well, even watching him play the drums with the one arm. 
Yeah, and they had those pedals, yeah, those specialized pedals. pedals. Yeah, it's genius stuff. Yeah, it is. It's great, really genius stuff. And I'm glad that he got to have a career because that's terrible to have, you know, not just uh, your career but your passion taken away. Oh, of course, from you. yeah. You know, it was a t- awful story, just awful. And the fact that he survived, and the fact that they continued, and their success even multiplied more. Like they even got more popular after his accident. There was a time when Def Leppard was the biggest band in the world. That's another band I really like a lot. Big Def Leppard guy? Yeah, pour, some, the- pour some sugar on me, rules. <laughs> you and strippers everywhere. Yep. All right. Uh, all right, we want to hear uh, from from you. 312-981-7200. What are some terrible band names that you've heard? It's a lot of fun to go through this. So, uh, terrible band names. 312-981-7200. And we will continue with the topic after the news. Hello, Nick DiGilio here on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline Studio, 18 stories above beautiful downtown Chicago, as we are every weeknight, weekday morning, 11 p.m. to uh, 4 a.m. And then at 4 o'clock, we head over to Bradley Place to the TV side of WGN, get some early morning news from that great team, and then the one and only, the legendary Bob Surratt has your morning drive at 5. 312-981-7200 312-981-7200 is the phone number. That is the Team Hochberg phone line. If you want to jump in here, we're talking terrible band names. And uh, some of the bad band names uh, that uh, famous bands had before they changed it to maybe not so bad names. But if you've uh, heard or you've been in a terrible uh, band uh, or a band with a terrible name, 312-981-7200. All right. Um, how about... Kara's Flowers. Kara's Flowers. <laughs> you know who that is? I don't know. Smashing Pumpkins or something? Nope. Maroon 5. Oh, jeez. You know what? That's a dumb name. Maroon 5? Yeah. The uh, fourth world prior to dubbing themselves Maroon 5 for songs about Jane, Kara's Flowers... Um, their fuzzy guitar pop was akin to Fugazi and System of a Down meets Sesame Street. What? Who would describe Maroon 5 by using Fugazi or System of a Down? I don't know. Rolling Stone magazine, apparently. They meet Sesame Street. <laughs> Just... <laughs> I mean, that's the, those are the last two. Those are the last, the last two, two bands that I would ever even mention in the same breath as Maroon Five. Yeah, Fugazi and System of a Down. Yeah. You ever see System of a Down live? I did actually. <sighs> yeah, it's a lot to handle. It is, man. It's great. It's a it's lot awesome. to handle. It's awesome, but yeah. You know, I'll say this band has a terrible name: Ario Speedwagon. Uh, I don't. I don't know what that's about. I'm trying to. They're out of Champagne. I don't know if there's something going on in Champagne. But uh, yeah, Ario Speedwagon. I don't know where they. Boy, they were. They were. God, were they big in high school? High Infidelity. 
Sure. Oh my God, was that? Which, to be fair, that's a great title for an album. Well, yeah, and it was massive. I mean, you couldn't get everybody in. Everybody in my high school had that record. And you know, you know what? Our our homecoming the year that that record was out. I want to say it was nineteen eighty when that record was out. Mm-hmm. You know what the theme of our homecoming was? Our homecoming <laughs> what? dance. What? Time for me to fly. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Time for me to fly. Oh my God. Uh, by the way, so the the name Ario Speedwagon comes from the name of a truck called the Ario Speedwagon. Oh, okay. Uh, designed by Ransom Eli Olds. All right. Yeah. So the Ario Speedwagon, which is kind of the uh, it's the precursor to the pickup truck. Oh, I didn't know that. So now it seems like less of a dumb name, but I I, I was I, just thinking I was thinking it might have had something to do with their hometown because they're so proud of being from Champagne, right? Like they make a big deal out of the fact that they're from Champagne. Sure. So they might be the only people. Oh come on! <laughs> Champagne is a perfectly lovely town. It's good good enough. Yeah. Used to go there all the time because I had friends who went to college and I didn't, mm-hmm. so we would go down there to drink. See, of course, my friends didn't go to U of I. They went to uh, Milliken, which is in oh, Decatur, yeah. which I think even the folks in Decatur will say that there's parts of Decatur that you just don't want to be in. Yeah. I swear, there was, a, there was a Carl's Jr. that was being run by a pack of wolves. Mm. Oh, Carl's Jr., but it's worth it. <laughs> you, ever, you ever go down to SIU? SIU, yeah. I've been to Carbondale. That's a party town man or at least yeah. it wasn't the i mean you ever you ever spend halloween down there no oh, no i was just man i was visiting i was doing the proper college visit i wasn't i didn't know anybody down no there. man halloween siu i don't know if it's still insane mm-hmm. i know it probably won't be insane this year but it no, but i hope not i mean my god people just went you would go nuts now i've heard champagne is notorious for saint patrick's day that they've got a pretty yeah. I've never. I'm not a big St. Patrick's Day guy. Sure, oh, that's always been the case. Mm-hmm. So I've never really gone out, you know, on St. Pat unless I was bartending. Right. You know, that would be the only time that I would ever be out on St. Patrick's. So Day. they can make a crap load of money. I did make a ton of money anytime I bartended. I'll tell you. I'll tell you the most money I ever made bartending mm-hmm. for one shift mm-hmm. was me and another guy bartended. Gingers had a private New Year's Eve party and charged people ahead of time. Uh, and then it was an open bar, basically. They were charged uh they were charged a uh and I can't remember how much it was, but they were there was a pre charge where you'd have to get like your ticket early. And um so on New Year's Eve they came in and it was basically an open bar because they paid, you know, the door charge. They paid ahead of time for the for the ticket. And it was, you know, it was limited to just the party. We were the only ones in. The bar, the bar was closed. So it was only the people that were in the bar. My, 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 uh, my bartender friend there, Russell, and I were the only two bartenders. And we were in the weeds, slammed, but didn't have to worry about the register. Because, you know, they, they paid their cover, and it was an open bar. And I'm telling you, because people weren't spending, you know, money on every drink, 
they went nuts with tips. Sure. You know what I mean? Because they're thinking, I'm not spending any money, so I may as well tip these guys. We made an, a ridiculous amount of money. And that was 1993 into 94. So it was Christmas. It was Christmas. It was New Year's Eve, 1993. I was only a fresh babe. Yep. Oh, man, did we make money. We kissed each other on the mouth after after we counted our tips. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> no, hell, I would. Kissed yeah. each other on the mouth. Didn't have to share any of the other money with anybody. Just, just split it between the two of us. It was, it was ridiculous, the amount of money that we made that night. That's easily by far the most money I've ever made working in the bar. Did you go buy yourself a new pair of chucks? Uh, I don't even know what the hell I did with the money. I don't know. I was dating a girl who worked at uh, Planet Hollywood at that time. Oh, okay. And she worked that shift. She was so she came from Planet Hollywood, and she had she, made a ton. She, she made did. a ton of bucks. So there you go. So thick as thieves. Yeah, it was a good. It was a good New Year's Eve. You know, and when you're working, it goes by real fast. Oh yeah, especially if you're. I mean, we well, were get, we were we were in the weeds the whole night. Well, and you get in the zone, right? You get yeah. you just get the horse blinders on, and you're just making drinks left and right. You don't know which way is loose. Oh, but. absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we were just, it was just nuts. And it went by like that. And then afterwards, we counted our money, kissed each other on the mouth, and got drunk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's Manny on WGN. Hey, Manny. Leonard Skinner. Uh, as far as a dumb name? Well, yeah. Well, I don't know. It's just unusual the way it's spelled and the way it's pronounced. Well, well they, they, it's, it, the- it's spelled that way, but it's, it's based on um, a gym teacher that they had. Oh, really? I did not know that. Yeah. His Len- name was Leonard Skinner. Oh. Right. That was oh. his name, and they changed, the, they changed the, uh, the, the spelling, made it a little weirder, but it was inspired by, right. this, uh, by this gym teacher that they had. I don't, know which, I don't know how many guys in the band had the same gym teacher, but that's where it came from. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. And too bad that Ronnie Van Sant, a key member of died in a plane crash. Well, a couple of guys in the plane died. I saw their last show in Chicago before the plane crash. It was like two days before the plane crash. I love their music. Yeah, they were one great. More group, one more group, but it's a great name. Buffalo Springfield. Ah, Buffalo Springfield. Great band, too. All right, Manny, thanks. Okay, thanks a lot. All right, take care. How about the Pendletons? That's what the Beach Boys were at first. The Pendletons. I wonder where that came from. So, uh... Maybe we get a little uh, background on that. I'll read a little bit up on it. Um, so uh, 312-981-7200 is the phone number. More uh, poorly named uh, bands coming up right here on WGN. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN, here until 4 o'clock. It's Monday morning, that means my dad's going to call in and tell a joke, and in just a few minutes after 2.30, we always play back some classic Johnny Carson clips. You can watch the Johnny Carson show on Antenna TV every night. The very, very, very funny Larry Miller um, will be listening to some of his stand-up from 1991, and also some of the weirdest jobs that exist. Right now we are talking about pretty bad or terrible band names. 
Here's Mike on WGN. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I'm just calling a reference. You brought up the Carbondale, wondering about it. I went there from 2010 to 2014. Yeah. Uh, they actually closed it down um, because of a riot or a large party in 20, 2005 or six. So we ended up moving it to the weekend before it was called unofficial because they shut the town down, uh, all the bars and everything, and then people either go to U of I or ISU for official Halloween. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a madhouse, Mike. I, I it was yeah. it, I mean it people were on a they were on a mission to get smashed. I mean yeah. it was just unbelievable. My my parents went there too and they told me about it when oh. I went down there and then I found out that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well they did shut it down so. then. Okay. All right, thanks, Mike. Mm-hmm. So just following up, no problem, everyone. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Yeah, Tom. Seriously. I've never seen partying like that. Ever. Well yeah. I mean, I it was le- I mean, you know, it was one of those Halloween at SIU was legendary for, the, for the insanity. It was just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we didn't have parties like that at Loyola. No, no, you didn't. You know, the I think the worst damage we ever did was I packed two hundred people into my apartment. What? Yeah, it was a Halloween party. Bad idea. Super bad idea. Oh no, 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 no. Yeah. That's just got that's just got nonsense written all over it. Yeah, nonsense shenanigans. Oh no. no fines man i two hundred people fines. oh my god <laughs> and i knew that it just was, sounds completely unpleasant yeah someone immediately puked in the hallway of and course. it was just like all right so this is how this is gonna go down yeah all right originally green day was known as sweet children <laughs> yeah sweet children that's the green day's original moniker and i guess when they got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, they were confused by the name on the Drun Riser during the performances because they, they, changed their, they changed their name back to Sweet Children. What was that, Green Day? Yeah. How about Mr. Crow's Garden? What? Mr. Crow's Garden. I don't know, Pink Floyd? Black Crows. Ah, that makes sense. Yeah. How about the Band-Aid Boys? The Band-Aid Boys. Are you ready for this? I don't know. You're... The Band-Aid Boys is Bone Thugs and Harmony. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty fantastic, I got to say. Well, I, I know I always listen to them every 30 days. You do? Yeah, listen to one song by Bone Thugs and Harmony. What every is that? First of the month. Oh, well, I guess that it's makes all sense. about paying rent. <laughs> well, sometimes it's thirty-one days, like in this case. Well, then, I guess I'm called out. Sometimes it's twenty-eight days. Yeah. So, hey, does the uh, twenty-eight days later take place in February? Yeah. <laughs> it must. That's the only way that works. Uh, here's Steve on WGN. Hey, Steve. Hey, um, Van Halen's original name was Mammoth. And I've always been curious why four California boys came up with a name like that. Mammoth. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a big, strong animal. Uh, it's prehistoric. Yeah, they, they, they weren't indigenous to Southern California. No, they no. weren't. <laughs> no, they weren't. I guess maybe they just liked them. You know, yeah, and then they, they figured, what the hell? We've got, we've got, uh, we got, a, we got a pretty cool last name. Let's just go with that. Yeah, yeah, that worked. Yep, it certainly did. Okay, Steve, thanks. All right, Nick. All right. Mammoth. Mammoth. 
Yeah, if you got a last name like Van Halen, you got to be going with that for your band name. No, it's a cool last name. Yeah. Man, when that first album came out, man. Game changer. How about the young Aborigines? Oh, it's the Beastie Boys. It's the Beastie Boys. Yeah. Uh, God, you know Beastie Boys, is, Beastie is an acronym. It is? Yeah. Um, oh, God. Because I just read the big book. Yeah, and that book weighs about 445 pounds. Yeah, so this is what Beastie, st- Beastie stands for. Boys Entering Anarchistic States Towards Inner Excellence, which, of course, is redundant because it it's Beastie Boys. So it's like boys twice. But yeah, that's what Beastie stands for. Okay. All right. How about Wicked Lester? You know what this is? Wicked Lester. Wicked Lester. I th- I like that name. I'd go see a band called Wicked Lester. Well, it's Kiss. Kiss. Yep. What do people think the Kiss stand? Knights in Satan's Knight service? Knights in Satan's service, yeah. God. I can't, that was a big thing when I was a kid. Yeah, the Kiss Army. Did you have the patch? The oh, kid? yeah. No, I was a full-on member of the Kiss Army. Are you kidding me? There you go. I think I was a corporal. <laughs> you worked your way up the ranks. Yeah. The Kiss Army. How like how freaked out were parents of Kiss? Pretty freaked out. Not your parents. Your parents no, my parents. Cool. My, my parents your dad bought me. you Black Sabbath, you know? Yeah. No, well, no, that was with my, my own money. Oh, that was with your own it was, money. It was the but first he, record I ever yeah, bought. first record you ever bought. Yeah. But he was cool with it. Totally cool with it. Yeah. But no, no, no. I, my parents took me to see Kiss. Right, right. But there were parents out there that were like, these guys are yeah. devil worshippers. Yeah, I mean, all that it was ridiculous. Stuff. You know, I mean, it was completely blown out of proportion. It's four but yeah, dudes that, from that, New York. That whole, yeah. That whole Knights in, Secret, in Satan's service was just ridiculous. I remember when, when, uh, when that became like a, like a thing. Uh, all right. Uh, bad band names, 312-981-7200. Wicked Lester. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's Kiss's old name. Yeah, I was in the Kiss Army. You have to understand, when they were at their, their most popular, when they, I, I was like between the ages of 10 and like 12, so I was uh, I was all over Kiss. Yeah, I was in the Kiss Army. I'm not lying. I was, and I loved them. I thought Kiss was great. Then I got older and realized that they stink. <laughs> so, uh, bad bad names or weird bad names. Uh, here's Sharon on WGN. Hi, Sharon. Hi. How are you? All right. What's up? Good. Uh, nothing. Listening to you guys and stuff, so I was thinking about the Scream ad dads. Okay, that was Pink, Pink Floyd. Floyd. Yeah, that was Pink Floyd, right? Yep. Yeah. What Absolutely. A, I don't know where they got that name from. <laughs> That's weird. So, all right, thank you, Sharon. You're welcome. All right, Pink Floyd. Um, they were students at London's Polytechnic. When they joined a band called Sigma Six, they would later become the Screaming Abdabs. Abdabs. The thought of spending one more second as a member of Pink Floyd gave Waters a case of the Screaming Abdabs. 
Oh, Roger Waters. Roger Waters. Yeah. Genius, but I can't stand him. Yeah. Yeah, but I like his stuff, man. Stuff's good. Yeah. Hey, man. Frozen Cons of Hitchhiking, the solo record is great. The uh, You're one of the few people I've ever met that enjoys the Final Cut. The Final Cut's a great album, which is essentially the first solo Roger Waters solo Basically, album. yeah. Was it Pros and Cons of Hitchhiking, and then he had another? Oh, uh, yeah. Radio Chaos. Well, yeah, and that's the thing, is that you, sta- you try to stack up Gilmore and Waters in terms of, you know, post-Waters Pink Floyd... And even solo Gilmore, it just uh, it just doesn't work. You know, Waters just had too much songwriting ability behind him. Gilmore's an incredible guitarist and uh, a great His singer. first solo album's great. His first solo album's good. You know? Um, but, like, Momentary Lapse of Reason. That's, you know, that shouldn't have been called a Pink Floyd album as far as I'm yeah. concerned. I mean, I don't hate it. There are songs on it that That's I enjoy. Right. Like, I like, the, I like the Division Bell. Division Bell's yeah, good. Yeah, it was all right, you know? But I was much more in, in the Roger Waters camp. Yeah. At, like in terms of his solo output. And then <laughs> who's the drummer again? Nick Mason. Yeah, just like the guy who's just riding the coattails. Doesn't have to really do I think anything. he released a solo record. Yeah, but he's just like rocking those Ferrari. Have you seen his Ferrari drums? Yeah. Oh, God, they're so lame. Yeah. But hey, whatever. Back in the, but it was a, they were a completely different band when, they, when Sid Barrett was with them. Well, yeah, they were just an acid trip. Yeah. Great acid trip. And yep. that song about a mouse, you know, and bikes. Yeah, they they were they were nuts. I remember when I first got into Floyd, I went back in time and got all the early stuff, and I was like, "What the hell is this?" Yeah, you're rocking Piper at the gates of dawn. Yeah, no, I bought I bought that yeah, seriously. I bought yeah. all the early stuff, and I was like, "What is this?" It's about Adam Hartmother, great record. Adam Hartmother is a great <laughs> record. This is wild though. It's, it's just, just got a cow on the front. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> you're <laughs> You you remember those commercials like this is your brain on drugs oh, yeah, and it's man. the fried egg that's Adam Hartmother. Oh Adam Hartmother's oh, they they had a lot <laughs> crazy. of crazy. They had a lot of crazy. I mean the soundtrack from the movie More. Oh my god. What? Nuts. Um uh god, the live album Umaguma. Umaguma. No, that's not live. Oh is that not live? No. Oh I thought it was a double album. Portion. It's bonkers, dude. Yeah. Live at Pompeii, which is amazing. That is a live album. That that is live. That is an amazing. Record. I saw them uh, on the Animals tour at Soldier Field with the giant inflatable Big pig old, yeah. floating over Soldier Field. It was so cool. I Every, wonder if it's everybody a symbol was for so, something. Everybody was so high. <laughs> so, all right, uh, let's take a break here, and when we come back, we've got our Carson Comedy Classics, which we play every morning at two thirty. It's a Monday morning. Also, my dad's going to be calling and tell a joke. Uh, You can watch the Johnny Carson Show every night on Antenna TV. I highly recommend it. And we're going to have some choice stand-up comedy from the great Larry Miller, circa 1991. And that's going to be coming up after we break. Hello, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline studio here until 4 a.m. as we are every weekday night and morning, 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. 4 o'clock, we head over to the uh, the TV side of WGN over at Bradley Place. 
And that great team will offer us some uh, early morning news. And then the one, the only, the legendary Bob Surratt has your morning drive starting at 5. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. We're going to get back to our uh, conversation about some uh, unusual or terrible band names. (laughs) And some names of uh, very popular bands before they became popular. That's coming up. 312-981-7200. But uh, every morning right around this time, every weekday morning right around this time, we like to play back some classic Johnny Carson bits. Uh, you can watch the Johnny Carson show every night on Antenna TV, and sometimes we'll play back some interviews or some uh, sketches or some stand-up, which is what we're going to do. Uh, this is from 1989, um, the very, very funny uh, Larry Miller appearing on the Johnny Carson show. Terrific stand-up, as we all know. Let's hear some uh, Larry Miller. Hi, folks. Thanks. Hope you had a funny time to return your gifts already. A lot of bad gifts out there. You always know when someone just gave up looking. You know, because they just, they always send you one of those stupid things from TV where it says right on the ad that makes a great gift. Makes a great gift. You know the stupid things, the knives that cut beer cans and the the pocket fishermen, the clapper, dumb things, you know, that makes a great gift. There's only one thing in the world that makes a great gift. We all know what it is. Say, a shoebox full of 20s. Whoa. Whoa. How did you know? Makes a great gift. By the way, I don't even know what the pocket fisherman does, but it's an awful name for anything, isn't it? It just... Just, I don't like the implication there. But really, the worst offender, in fact, has to be the clapper. This is a... You know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I mean, even the commercial is awful. That poor old woman in the nursing home bed is desperately trying to clap off the TV. They're just... Ah, ah, ah. You know... God forbid our children should visit and turn the lights out for her, you know. know. We can't make it, Ma. That's why we got you the clapper. No, wait. Don't hang up. I clapped the heat off by mistake. It's so cold. Hello, hello, hello. (laughs) One of these days, she'll clap off the respirator, you know. That'll bring them. By the way, here's just a little warning, holiday warning. Do not buy the clapper if you live near a stadium. (laughs) Why... You know, one touchdown and the house will be like poltergeist. Lights flash and, you know, just... What do we care about gifts anyway? You know, you realize what's happening? The momentous occasion here? A few days. You know, 1990, last decade of the century, last decade of the millennium, the gateway to the 21st century. I mean, come on, you know, that means, you know, 90s are probably going to be... The same, pretty much. Don't you think it's just about the same as always? Nothing changes. The same, 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 same. So, so we don't even know what the 80s were like. I have, I think the 80s were the decade of backwards thinking. Uh, in, in almost every respect, in our romance, our schedules were so tight, we actually planned dates backwards. You didn't even realize you were doing this. And let's see, the movie's at 10. That means I pick her up at 9. That means I'm in the shower at 8. That means I'm running at 7. That means I leave work at six. That means I get to work at nine. That means I'm asleep the night before at midnight. That means... 
I'm late now, I can't make it. I think the ultimate in backwards thinking and romance in the 80s was we saw the prenuptial agreement. Now, this is the divorce before the marriage. I don't even know where you get the nerve to bring it up. The proposal, you know, well, James, this ring is gorgeous, but there's a long string attached. Oh, yes, darling, it goes to this contract. Uh, luckily, the maitre d' is also a notary public. But, uh, James, uh, darling, please sign here and there. Oh, just initial that. <laughs> and roll the thumb in the ink, hold still, profile, hold the number higher. <laughs> Backwards thinking in politics, I think, especially in the 80s, every politician we have, liberal or conservative, who drinks or chases women gets thrown out of office. This is backwards. It's the sober guys we should dump. I don't want a clean living guy in the White House with his finger on the button. He thinks he's going right to heaven. Hey, look, let's be honest. You want to feel safe with a leader? Give me a guy who fights in bars and cheats on his wife. This is a man who wants to put off Judgment Day as long as possible. Man, he is a pro. Seriously, like a quintessential stand-up comedy, a comedian. He's so funny. He's so funny. And, you know, been in a bunch of movies. Isn't he in Pretty Woman? He is. He's also in, uh, the, what I first saw him in was uh, 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's the terrific teen, in that. Yeah, the teen remake of Taming of the Shrew. That's a great movie. Very good. Whatever happened to Julia Stiles? I don't know. She probably just took the money and ran. Wasn't she in, like, that last Bourne movie? I don't know if she was in the last one. I think she was in the first one. Oh, she's in more than one. No, she's in a couple of them. Yeah. That's the last thing I would recognize her in is probably the Bourne movies. And that Save the Last Dance. She's great in that. Let's see. What is Julia Stiles doing now? Yet, she was in the most recent Bourne movie, which was four years ago. Um, I've always been a fan of hers. She's still working. She's in Hustlers. Oh, that's right. She is in Hustlers. That's right. She's in Hustlers. I totally forgot about that. She's still making, like, at least a movie a year. Yeah. She's got that great voice. Yeah. Yeah. So... All right, all right. So that's uh, that's the really funny Larry Miller. Man, is he funny? You know, just a great stand-up comedian. Like really, and that was like 1989. That was like right during the the you know the the, the when he was about to hit his peak. That's around when I saw him. It was like 1989. So, I'm sure he's made several appearances on the Tonight Show. All right, so every um, every uh, weekday morning at around uh, 2.30, we play back some classic comedy clips from Johnny Carson. You can watch the Johnny Carson Show on Antenna TV every night. And then at around 2.30, we play uh, some comedy. But this feeling is running through my soul. Dario. 
I don't even. What's the name of the song? I can't even. Yeah, it's called "Here with Me." I don't even recognize it. You recognize that voice, though. Yeah, Kevin Cronin. Ah, Rio. Named after a truck. Rio Speedwagon. This is the kind of stuff my girlfriend or my fiance loves. Really? Oh, yeah. She loves like the big cheesy power ballad. Wow. Well, that's a big cheesy power ballad right there. Gotta love it. Wow. REO Speedwagon. We were talking about names of bands. Uh, and the news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. Got any uh, band names that you think are dumb? How about the Salty Peppers? You're not going to believe what they turned into. Hmm. The, the salty, salty peppers. peppers. Uh, can you give me a hint, maybe, who, wh- where they might have formed, where they might be from? Well, um, the 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 main leader of the band actually comes from Chicago. Main leader of the band is from Chicago. Yeah. They moved to L.A. and then they they just the band just kept growing and growing. I'll give you that hint. Okay. So there were so, like thirty five people on stage. Okay. In every Earth, show. wind, and fire. That's right. <laughs> The salty peppers. The salty peppers. <laughs> How about Pud? <laughs> Pud. Pud became the Doobie Brothers. Introduced to each other by psych rock icon Skip Spence, guitarist Tom Johnston, and drummer John Hartman formed Pud in San <laughs> in San Jose. They slowly picked up the other two doobs and changed their name from a childish wiener reference to a slightly less childish pot reference. Um, they released their doobie debut. Uh, which doobie you be? Ooh. In 1971. What's happening? What's happening? Which doobie you be? Which doobie doobie in? Man, oh man. How about burn the priest? That's uh, Lamb of God. Yeah. We actually, (laughs) you won't believe it. Uh, Sharon called back and uh, mentioned that one. Burn the priest. She literally just said that to me on the phone. (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the lead singer of that band went to jail for murder. I think he killed a guy. Did he? Yeah, something to that, or maybe a manslaughter charge, which is not unthinkable for a band that was called burn the priest (laughs) what the hell (laughs) who thought that was a good idea i got a name let's let's call the band burn the priest bunch of crazy metalheads. i don't know how about rainbow butt monkeys (laughs) i don't know who this band is that's childish uh i don't what's the name of the band finger 11 oh finger 11 yeah uh, they were re- moderately popular. They had a, a hit in the 2000s with a song called Paralyzer. Okay. What a dumb name. Rainbow Butt Monkeys. Um, the Shrinky Dinks. The Shrinky Dinks went on to become Sugar Ray. Uh, they renamed themselves. This was Mark McGrath's idea. They renamed themselves after Sugar Ray Robinson. Mm. 
They should rename themselves Extra. Because that's what uh, Mark McGrath was on. Is he still on that show? I don't think so. I think they moved on to Mario Lopez from oh, Saved yeah. by the Bell. Sure. Tony Flo and the Miraculously Majestic Masters of Mayhem. Well, that's the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Red Hot Chili Peppers. How many names did they have? I don't know. A couple. I'm pretty sure Spigot Blister and the Chest Pimps was one of them. How about the Polka Tulk Blues Band? God, are you ready for this? Pol- oh, uh, uh, this is Black Sabbath. That's Black Sabbath. Yeah, Black Sabbath. The Polka Tulk Blues Band. Oh, the Gollywogs. Do you know this one? I do, actually. Um, Gollywogs. Uh, you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to give it to me here. Credence, credence, yeah, credence, clear. And then finally, naked toddler. <laughs> oh, it's Creed. It's Creed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Creed. Creed was naked toddler. Was that before they were writing songs about the Lord? Well, they were right. They wrote a few songs about the Lord. Yeah. Higher is one of them. I know. I'm saying, was Naked Toddler before that? Because I feel like Naked Toddler does not lend itself to uh, songs perhaps, of faith. Perhaps through some act of fan mercy, the words Naked Toddler do not currently appear anywhere on Creed's Wikipedia page. But the fact is, when the group first came together in the mid-90s, guitarist Mark Tremonti presented his bandmates with a newspaper clipping he kept in his wallet containing a story about an abducted naked toddler and convinced them that it would be a good moniker. The name didn't go over well, said singer Scott Stapp in his autobiography. Scott Stapp wrote an autobiography? I might have to read that. Um, Girls hated it, and it made them think of pedophilia. Oh, really? Naked toddler? Really. Shocking. So they changed it to Creed. You know that one of the most notorious Creed concerts ever was here. Yeah, I forgot who blamed you. Because uh, Judy ki- Pilak. Yeah, Judy Pilak, the goodbye girl herself. Yeah, Judy Pilak started yelling at me because I happened to like Creed, <laughs> and she took her son to see Creed during that notorious night when Stapp was loaded and was mm-hmm. like forgot all the lyrics and was laying on the stage, and they had to cut the they had to cut the the show short. Yeah, and they actually refunded a bunch of the a bunch of the tickets. What would you say? I was walking through. I was walking through the newsroom. Judy Pilak starts screaming at me, and I'm like, "Hey, I didn't feed the guy booze. I'm not in Creed. It wasn't my fault." <laughs> well, I think just by virtue of being a fan of Creed, well, you deserve I, to be I've, chastised. I've, let me let me just explain something right now. I have caught hell for my for my stand on Creed. Seriously, I've gone through enough. <laughs> so. You you well well I would say that you're the kind of guy that welcomes those criticisms with arms wide open. That's I yeah, and it takes me higher. <laughs> I'm sorry. I like those guys, man. Uh, I'm, that's fine, man. They sold a lot of records. And I will tell you this: I Pretty watched huge. The, I watched a concert of them one time on cable. No one sweats more than Scott Stapp. I was, wor- I swear to God, I was worried for him. He went through four shirts. He got the entire first eight rows soaked with his sweat. He has a promising career at SeaWorld. I've never seen anybody sweat as much as Scott Stapp, the lead singer of Creed. Like seriously, I was like, should we call? Should should we call a doctor? He's sweating out the sins, man. It's unbelievable. So, all right, uh, we're going to talk about some of the weirdest jobs in the world. Have you ever had a weird job? 
and uh, we'll go through some stories that are connected to that as well. Uh, 312-981-7200. That's our phone number. We'd love uh, for you to join us, uh, which is coming up after the news. Guess who? And again, wouldn't sound as good if it was these peepers. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. By the way, this this the cord on these on these headphones is like 45 miles long. Well, yeah, that way you can walk around the room. Oh, yeah. Go off mic for a little bit. Go off-roading. What do you mean, like Eric Bogosian and talk radio? Exactly. Does that mean I get to be, uh, what's his name? Dr. John Con- McGinley. Yeah, I get to be John McGinley. Nice. Awesome. I like this already. Yeah. All right. It's uh, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We are live in the uh, Skyline studio here until uh, 4. And then uh, we got the early morning news over from the TV side of WGN. And then the great uh, Bob Surratt kicks off your work week at 5 a.m. with your morning drive. 312-981-7200. That's our number if you would like to join us. Uh, what's the weirdest job you ever had? 312-981-7200. We've all had, I think we've all had some weird jobs, right? Yeah. So if you, uh, what's the weirdest job you ever had? And I've got some some of the weirdest jobs in the world, and these are real. 312-981-7200. My dad's going to call in and tell a joke because it's Monday morning and it's in a jokey, 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 jokey time. That's coming up a little bit later, too. Tom, you ever have a weird job? Hmm. Weird job. Weird job. Uh, I've been at jobs where weird things happen. Oh, but, okay. Um, not so much a weird job. Uh-huh. You don't think this is a weird job? I mean, it's kind of a weird job. <laughs> it's a really weird job. It's a great job. Yeah. I think it was tough to explain. I, I have a tough time explaining to people what I do. Yeah. Because you say producer, and they're just like, I don't know what that means. And it means something different, depending on who you are. I guess. Mm-hmm. It's just the title. Yeah. Um, but this is this is kind of a kind of a weird job. I would say when I was working promotions, that was kind of that was probably the the job where the weirdest things happened. The weirdest things happened to me when I was working promotions um, at a different company. What were some of the weird things that happened. <laughs> so have you ever heard of a festival called country thunder? No happens in the, like in, in like Wisconsin, just like a music the, festival. Yeah. Music festival, uh, big country. It's like Lollapalooza, but it's all country. Okay. It's called what country thunder. <laughs> okay. Country thunder. So you go up there and, uh, it's, when I was there, it, it basically starts out fairly normal. People are having a good time, whatever. Is it like a three-day festival or something along those uh, lines? It's, it's over a weekend, yeah. Okay. Um, it, this was the only time I had ever gone. I'd heard about it from people in high school all the time, but I didn't care because I didn't really listen to that type of country music. Uh, it's more modern stuff. 
Um, so, like, who was on the bill? Uh, Nicole Kidman's husband. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what his name is, but it's um, the guy who's married to Nicole Kidman. Yeah, what's his name? Australian guy, judge on American Idol, right? It's not Keith Urban. Keith Urban, yeah. Keith Urban, yeah. yeah. Not Carl Urban. Keith Urban. No, Carl Urban is a completely different guy. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's the day starts out pretty normal, kind of like just a big carnival in a way. And then by the end of the night, it devolves into what can only be described as an Apocalypse Now scenario. And part of my job was taking talent to and from the RV that they were staying in to different places. And uh, I would have to drive this golf cart. And I'd be driving this golf cart around, and it it would rain like crazy. Of course it did. Yeah, it's a music festival. It's going to yeah. rain like crazy at some point for some reason. So we're trudging through the mud in this golf cart. I've got talent in the in the cart with me, and people are grabbing at us like like Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> it's terrifying. I'm like beeping at people to get out of the way. Uh, one of my coworkers basically got kidnapped by a cadre of of dudes. Only to return maybe like 20 minutes later. We don't know how she got away. Um, and people were like trying to jump on the cart. Like I'm dodging left and right. There's just random lights going on. People are screaming, woo, woo. It was, it was insane. Uh-huh. I could only describe it as like, get. I imagine it was like escaping Quezon at the end of the Vietnam War. Jeez. Uh, it, was, it was insanity. Yeah, those festivals can get a little they can get a little crazy sometimes. You know? People get all boozed up and if it's like a, a hot summer day that ends with rain, that's always just like, you know, that's a recipe for a disaster right there. But I couldn't imagine that driving country stars in a golf cart to and fro with drunken maniacs all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, how about um, a nudist couple will pay someone 2,000 pounds to help move them, but you have to be naked. This is out of the UK. Is there something wrong over there? A nudist couple will pay someone to move two grand... Well, two at the two thousand pounds to help them move, but they have to be naked. Now that's a weird job. Very specific job. Very specific. He help us move. No pants. Uh, here's Erod on WGN. Go ahead, Erod. Hi, Nicholas. How are you? All right. What's up? Uh, I'm calling about my promotion work. I did a lot of uh, for years. A lot of promotion work at. Uh, McCormick Place, and I would work booths, and I would wear shirts for the company that I was working for, and the oddest thing was uh, people asking me, what does that company do? And I would have to say, I have no clue. Uh Uh-huh. That's it. (laughs) That's it. I don't understand it, but that's it. I okay. mean, you'd be you'd be contracted by companies, and you had no idea what they even did. Ah, okay. You were ju- you were just working their booth. Uh, all right, all right, Erod. 
Hey, and blessings to your father and your mom. Okay, thanks, Erod. Take care. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, I'll tell you about some of the weirdest jobs in the world. And uh, we want to hear from you. 312-981-7200. What was the weirdest job you ever have? You ever had any any crazy or weird jobs? 312-981-7200. All righty then. Nick DiGilio here on 720 WGN. Julio here on 720 WGN. And uh, we're here till 4 o'clock live in the uh, Skyline studio. Uh, my dad's going to call in and tell a joke. It's Monday morning and it's a jokey, 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 jokey time. Uh, what's the strangest or weirdest job you ever had? So uh, we're uh, talking about weird jobs. And uh, the phone lines are open if you want to jump in. 312-981-7200. Everybody's had weird jobs in the past. So uh, here's Jasmine on WGN. Go ahead, Jasmine. How you doing? All right. I don't know if you remember me from a few years ago. I do remember you, of course. Uh, well, last summer I got, uh, there's a there's a park district near my house, and I got the chance to work at our at our pool. Mm-hmm. Wasn't so much weird, just gross. You, you know, I will never go in a public pool again after being a lifeguard for a summer. Yeah, no, I uh, I'll tell you something. I I've never ever been in a public pool. Uh, except at like a Don't. except at a hotel. That's the, the, Don't do the it. Yeah, that's the only time. But Don't yeah, do it, man. Yeah, no, I, I. You don't have to convince me. <laughs> you don't know what's going on in those pools, man. No way. Yeah, the, I think probably the the most disgusting day was a kid barfed in a pool. Yeah, so we had to shut it down and clean that up. It's not pretty. No, it's not. I can imagine so. All right, Jasmine. Thanks. Bye. All right. Public pools, man. No. That's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, yeah, just no. So this nudist couple, this is out of uh, the UK. A unique job advert has been posted online seeking a removal driver comfortable with carrying out a move without any clothes on. Yes, a naturist couple are on the hunt for someone to help them move move their house in the nude. The worker will be paid £2,000 for their help with the move, which should be taking place in mid-September. The eyebrow-raising request was posted to a delivery, removals, and transport marketplace online. However, after the site was unable to process the request due to the nature of the job, it offered to assist the couple personally in finding an appropriate candidate. The website, Shift has since launched launched a public appeal for a, quote, naked mover to help the naturalist couple find a home removals professional willing to get their work out completely in the nude. The request made last week states that the naturist couple is moving from a flat into a bigger home and are looking for home removals professionals uh, willing to help them move their house in the nude. The couple is offering an additional £2,000 to the successful candidate and will provide modesty underwear to take their belongings to and from the properties. 
Home removal professionals willing to take the talents can apply here, where they have a link. Following the submission of the request via the Shift website, representatives from the brand contacted the couple to let them know they would not be able to fulfill the contract due to the nature of the request. However, the company is happy to provide a Shift van to any moving professional who is willing to help. So they want naked. They want some somebody naked. What? <laughs> I wonder how many people would take that up. I don't know. Two grand to move a a couple out. That's pretty good. That's good. That's a good. Yeah. No. That's. I'd 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 go for it. Yeah. Oh no no. You wouldn't. No. Come on. No. I gotta walk around naked. Move. First of all, I hate to move. What's the bigger barrier, the moving or the being naked? God, they're close. <laughs> oh, I despise moving. No, I oh, trust it. God, I, I despise you're it. You're preaching to the choir, man. But uh, no, I do it. I do it for two grand. You know, they say the three most stressful things to deal with are death in the family, divorce, and moving. And I dealt with all three of them. When I moved into the apartment that I live in now back in 2011, I was going through a divorce. My cousin passed away and I was moving. And that's true. Those three things stink. So naked moving. <laughs> that's a weird, that's a weird job. What are some weird jobs that you've had? 312-981-7200. Here's Bill on WGN. Hi, Bill. Hey, how you doing, Nick? All right. What's up? My job was a weird job, Zamboni driver. Oh, you were a Zamboni driver? Absolutely. What an awesome job. That's fantastic. I envy you. Yeah, it was uh, was good stuff. Uh, If you're a hockey fan, figure skating fan, or whatever. Yeah. uh, Where did you you do it? Every hour. Where'd you do it? Where did you do it? Oakland Ice Arena, Southside. Oh, Oakland Ice Arena, Southside. That's pretty cool. You drove the Zamboni. Absolutely. Oh, I, I, man. I drove it for many years. Uh, I haven't drove it in about 35 years, but it's like a bicycle. I think I could hop on one right now and clean that ice at the United Center. Yeah. Uh, I, if I, there was ice at the United Center. I like the uh, I like the fact that they uh, they have a, a, a contest every game and have somebody sit on the Zamboni as, yeah, the, as yeah, the driver. Yeah, absolutely. As, had many people riding on that. We didn't yeah. have a fancy seat, so it was a little bit dangerous, but nonetheless, yeah. uh, it was fun stuff. That's cool, Thank man. You. I've never talked to a Zamboni driver before. That's pretty cool. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, where did they store the Zamboni, Bill? Where do they store they, they you know where they store the Zamboni? It's it's called the Zamboni Garage. The Zamboni Garage. Yeah, the Zamboni Garage. They actually have little signs Zamboni Garage. Um yeah, they, you know it's uh it's it's you know just adjacent to the ice arena, right? You know, you got to you fill it up with water. You 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 dump out the snow in there, so there's usually a drain, or you dump in the, in the or you dump dump the snow outside in the back of the rinks. Have a place where you, you drive it in the parking lot. And you dump it out there. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Well, it's pretty. The Zamboni it, it, ground. You I've clean been, the ice. And, I've been close to a Zamboni a couple of times because um, 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 I used to uh, host the shoot the puck thing. Um, okay. Yeah. And, and I actually shot the puck. Um, one one night, and I I nailed it. I got all three of them. Wow, that is that is good stuff. I used yeah. to well, oftentimes, you know, obviously being a hockey player and stuff like that, I'd I'd stand at the center of ice and and I try to shoot. I was actually a pretty decent hockey player, and it seemed 
it's a lot harder than you think oh, it, it is. Even, even playing the sport. It, absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, but it's a yeah. No, I was I was nervous too, man. You know. Yeah, I, I could understand that. You, know, yeah, you, you got a big crowd out there. Big and, crowd, and uh, and it yeah. was a little different back at uh, back at the old Chicago Stadium with the shoot the puck. I the know people that come out for that. Yeah, that I was know. A, a whole different. It was a whole different thing. <laughs> area. Yeah, absolutely. They always had they always had the 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 hot chick in the, the tight jeans with the the, with the, the horn going. Yeah, and, and yeah exactly. Like, where are they grabbing these people from? Yeah, I know. It's crazy. We scout the good stuff. Yeah. Okay, Bill. Thanks, man. All right, All right good there you go, Zamboni driver. That sounds like a, that sounds like fun, driving that Zamboni. Those things are. Have you ever been up close to a Zamboni? I can't say I have. They are deceptively fast. Yeah. Oh yeah. How like how fast? Give me a eighty-seven of, miles an hour. Eighty-seven <laughs> miles an hour on the ice. <laughs> no, it blazes by. I was lucky enough to. You know, have seats on the glass a few times. Sure, and um, that thing just zooms past. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't give you. A, I couldn't guess, but like you know, like twenty miles an hour, I would guess something yeah. like that. Like much faster than you would think, because when you're up in the stands, it's mm-hmm. it's a little deceptive. You look, oh, sure, there's, there's a zamboni, but when you're down on the ice, man, woo. Well, I, I hear they're much bigger up close. What the zambonis? Yeah, yeah, they're big machines, man. That takes a lot of skill, though, to get the Zan- do the Zamboni. Oh yeah, you gotta love that. I mean, I you know we cheer the Zamboni driver as as well you should. Yeah, the Zamboni driver is the unsung hero of all ice hockey games. <laughs> not not the goalie. No, no, not the coaches. Listen, the Zamboni driver not only gets the ice ready for NHL players, gets them ready for the ice capades. Oh sure, yeah, everything, everything Disney that takes on place ice. on ice. Yeah, yeah. You don't want Mickey to slip. That'd be terrible. Yeah. Imagine the broken hearts of all the children who'd have to watch Mickey literally lose his head on have you, ice. Have you ever seen what the ice looks like after a period of hockey? Um, not up close, but I can I've I can guess. It's a mess. It's trash, dude. Those guys yeah. are just It's a mess. Just after one period of hockey. So but then man, the Zamboni makes it like smooth as glass and shiny. Yeah, I love the way I love the way the ice looks right after the Zamboni guy finishes. But you know, and then the players come out and ruin it. <laughs> Darn, <laughs> with their stupid game. Well, first of all, the the, the officials come out first and ruin yeah. it. <laughs> it's like taking that first scoop out of uh, a fresh jar of peanut butter. You kind of hate to do it because you because it looks so good because it looks so perfect and smooth. Yeah. You ever try to just repair it? Repair the pe- Nah, you can't get it the just same smooth way. Smooth it? Nah, but it's not the same. It's not fresh. It's like it's like popping off that cap with a you know a fresh snapple or something. You're never gonna get that same pop fresh again. Snapple, and of course, you know you're, you you know you want to make sure that the snapple fact that you have is not something that you've already read. Of course, if I get a duplicate, I throw away the whole bottle. Don't even drink <laughs> it. Don't even drink it it's in the garbage. I don't need this. I want a fresh Snapple fact. Okay. Um, I've got the weirdest jobs in the world. Here's the article. And again, we've got a nudist couple that's going to pay somebody 2,000 pounds in, in, in the UK to move them out, help them move out, and be naked. So, But we're going to talk about the weirdest job in the world. 
Uh, but right now, we got to get to uh, the newsroom. Nick DeGilio, how's it going, guys? Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. Uh, It's a Monday morning. That means my dad's going to call in in just a few minutes to tell a joke. Starting off your work week with a laugh. We're live in the Skyline studio, as we are every weekday morning, 11 p.m. to uh, 4 a.m. And then at 4 o'clock, we head over to the TV side of WGN, get some uh, early morning news from them. And then the great Bob Surratt, he is your morning drive uh, at 5. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. And we're talking about the weirdest jobs in the world. You ever have a weird job? 312-981-7200. Um, let's see. Here's Robert on WGN. Go ahead, Robert. Uh, morning, Nick. How's Dad doing, by the way? He's good. Yeah. He's calling in. He's calling in. Um, and just, he's calling in. And just, he, what? One of my neighbors has to go. He goes all over the Midwest to remove beehives, hornets' nests that are not outside, but are actually inside people's walls. Oh boy! Oh yeah, he says it's not not fun, and you have to, like you said, if if you don't get the queen, you know somebody can come in and spray, and you kill a bunch of them. But if you don't kill off the queen, those bees will find their way home and infest that house again. That's terrifying. And and again, now, in here in the Midwest, right around our neighborhood, we have carpenter hornets that will dig into your house. If you ever seen, like, a cedar shake home or something, and there's a bunch of holes in that, that's not from woodpeckers. That's from carpenter hornets going in there and making their nest. That's pretty terrifying right there. Yeah, not a job for me, but there's a weird job for you. That's it. All right, thanks, Robert. Take care. All right. Yeah, no. Yeah. Mm. Well, you're you're not allergic any. Well, you don't know right. if you're allergic. Well, I used to be. You used to be allergic when I was a kid. Yeah, but I was, yeah, I was no. allergic to a ton of stuff when I was a kid. Yeah, but no one wants to get stung by a bee. No, of course not. But you know, I I do find it amusing to watch like beekeepers at work where they're wearing the big suits and everything, the smoke like that. all over the place. Yeah. <sighs> Love it. You must be the beekeeper. That's from <laughs> yeah. the which 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 Pink Panther is that? Is that Return of the Pink Panther? No, um, Pink Panther Strikes Again. But yeah, yeah, it's Pink Panther. I believe it's Pink Panther Strikes Again, which yeah. is the best one because that's the one where Kato jumps out of the fridge. Kato jumps out of the fridge. Not now, Kato. Uh, but that's a priceless Steinway. Not anymore. Does your dog bite? No. Thought you said your dog does not bite. That is not that is my not dog. My dog. <laughs> Those movies are so good, man. Uh, it's insane. Those movies are so that one in particular. I mean, they're all good, but that yeah. one. I mean, that's funny from the beginning to end. All right, you ready? Weird jobs? Feeling a bit bored with your job and uh, fancy a change? Yes, please. Why not try one of these jobs out? They're probably not everyone's taste, but believe it or not, these are actual real jobs done by real people. All right, are you ready? 
professional sleeper. I I could get that job. I don't know about you. Well, I can't fall asleep. So I mean, I have very time falling asleep. A hotel in Finland hired a member of staff as a quote-unquote professional sleeper to test the comfort of their beds. The individual sleeps in a different one of the hotel beds each night and writes a review about her satisfaction with each one. So you're reviewing beds. That seems good enough. Yeah. Or I think uh, we've talked to people who are mattress testers. Yes, we have. Yeah, I think Trucker Rich said he was in the yeah. world of mattress testing. That's right. He did say that, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, well, who? What do? What do you? How do you qualify to be a professional sleeper? What do you gotta? I mean, what, what, what kind of resume do you have to have? What's 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 going on? <laughs> Constantly napping on the job. I mean, because everybody Perfect. everybody sleeps, right? So. So you must be, my guess is that you're probably acutely aware of how well you sleep. If she, if, if this person is testing a mattress yeah. to make sure that everything's so you up to like snuff. you sleep through the night and stuff like that? Yeah. So you got, and you have to be aware of like, you know, hyper aware of how you feel afterwards. So is your back sore, your hips or kind of these typical pressure areas when you're sleeping on a mattress? Um, are the pillows fluffed enough? Yeah. That sort of thing. You got to have an attention to detail. So this is in Finland. How about drying paint watcher? <laughs> no, this isn't a joke. Someone actually earns a living watching paint dry. A man in the UK currently has the job and he spends his days painting sheets of cardboard to test how long new paint mixes make uh, take to dry, watching for changes in color and texture. So that's what this guy does. He paints pieces of cardboard, and then he watches the paint dry. I wonder <laughs> how you keep entertained while doing that. I mean, he's got to have like you got to be you got to go nuts after a while, right? Yeah. Even if you have, you could have every album in the world, every podcast in the world. Eventually, you're going to drive yourself crazy just watching and just timing paint dry. Wow, man. Drying paint watcher. Couldn't think of a better name than that. I wonder. <laughs> well, it aptly describes what the job right. is. But I feel like there should, there should be like a a pithy sort of yeah. title to that. Well. Paint application specialist. Okay. Uh what's the weirdest job you ever had? 312-981-7200. How about this? A full-time Netflix viewer. Perfect. Yeah, that sounds good. Imagine being paid to watch TV all day. Well, for one lucky employee, this dream has become a reality. Netflix has hired someone to watch all of their content before it is available to the public, and their role is to review and assign each program its correct tag, which helps us viewers find out exactly what we're after, whether it's a romantic crime movie based on classic literature or witty talking animal TV show. So they'd pay somebody to just watch Netflix all day. That sounds to me like a pretty good job. I mean, I watch a lot of TV every day anyway. I may as well get paid. Yeah, you got to give it its correct tag. <laughs> okay. That sounds like a good job. How about a train pusher? Interested in a train pusher position? 
hey, if you think the London Underground is bad, you should see the trains in Japan. Ashiyas are hired to help cram as many people onto the train as possible by pushing them from the outside until the doors will close. That's insane. Do you imagine that? Pushing people in like sardines in a can? Must be a nightmare to travel on the on the trains in Japan. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, and, and I mean, it's... Uh... It's an incredibly popular way to travel, um, and they're they're very much. You have to be quiet on the train, though. You have to be very quiet on the train in Japan. Really? They're not. Yeah. No talking. No can't, super can't, loud music. Can't blast your Walkman. No. No. No big boombox on your shoulder, playing a little "Fight the Power." <laughs> None of that. Um. So. They're hired to help cram as many people onto a train as possible <laughs> by pushing them from the outside till the doors close. I mean, I can't even, uh, I can't even imagine what that commute is like. That's a dystopian reality. I mean, that's nuts, man. See, we have people that do that here. They just do it for free, though. Yeah, just push people. They just in. come on, just get in there, get as many people in there as possible. Those are always the worst days on the L when you're uh, when you're just crammed in next to people. You're just kind of they're like breathing in your face. Well, like now especially, you don't want to be. Well, yeah, I you know, just I, I wish I could be riding the L. I love I love riding the L. I love riding the CTA. It's an incredibly robust system. I support it. I'm not going to be riding it right now. No, if I can help it, I'm not going to have. I don't blame it. you. Yeah, I don't blame you. So. It's the best part of the week, baby. It's time to hear something funny. Here we go with your music intro. Ah! It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah. What'd I say? It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah. All right. You know, it's Monday morning. You hear that theme. My dad uh, has been telling jokes his whole life. And uh, so we have him on every Monday morning to start off your work week with a laugh. And uh, my dad calls in every Monday to tell a joke. And that's what we're going to do right now. Hey, Dad. Morning, Nick. How you doing? Good, good. Good. How's Ma? Good. All right. Good. Very cool. Okay. You got a joke. I got a joke. All right. He said a man suffered a severe heart attack and he had bypass surgery. He is awakened to find himself in the care of nuns at a Catholic hospital. As he was recovering, a nun asked him how he was going to pay the bill. He replied in a raspy voice, I have no health insurance. And then asked, do you have money in the bank? No money in the bank. The nun asked, do you have a relative that could help? He said, just a spinster's her sister, who is a nun, the nun, the nun slightly perturbed. Nuns are not spinsters. Spinster, they are married to God. The patient, well, good. Then send a bill to my brother-in-law. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, that's a good one, Dad. 
All right, Nick. <laughs> All, right. All right, buddy. Take care. All right, bye. That was jokey, jokey, jokey time. It was a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad told a joke. He'll do it again. He'll do it again next week. Send it to my brother-in-law. That's great. <laughs> Man, I, I, I love I love church jokes. Do you? Yeah, it's a habit. Oh, man. Oh. Jeez. You a fan of Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit? Honestly, I've never heard a better title for a movie in my entire life. Oh, no. No. House 2, The Second Story. That's better. That's gonna, the most. Gonna, that's the most ridiculous title of all time. I'm gonna. I'm gonna respectfully disagree. Oh, House I'm Two. Respectfully, the disagree. second story. That's fine, man. Back in the habit. The habit. I got it. I got it. I understand. It's what they wear on their heads. I, I know. All right. Uh, are you ready for more weird jobs? Weirder than this one. How about professional mourner? I've heard about this. This is this is interesting. Uh, it's a tradition in Southeast Asia that a loud funeral will assist the dead as they travel to the afterlife. So professional mourners are hired to cry and weep very loudly throughout the service. Wonder what they make. Actually, I bet we can figure that out. God, that's got to be. I mean, doesn't that seem like a very depressing job? You're crying all the time and wailing and going to funerals and stuff? Mm-mm. Let's see. A professional mourner, you can expect to make between 30 to $120 a funeral. 30 to $120. Yeah. It's not a full-time it's not a full-time job, man. But I mean, think of it this way. As I said, you know, in those cultures, having a very loud funeral yeah. is like it's like you know, it's this outpouring of grief that is a good thing that helps the souls to their final place of rest. So, you know, it's think, a happy I, job. I still think it's I still think it's pretty stressful though. Well, yeah, I mean, having to cry that much, cry that much, and you're you know constantly at funerals and stuff. Yeah. How about a snake milker? This one's not for not the not for the lighthearted. The job of a snake milker is to collect the venom of poisonous snakes in jars. For use in anti-venoms and other medication. Thank God there's someone brave enough to do this. A snake milker. Yeah. That was my radio name in college. <laughs> Here, man, snake milker. Here's some saga. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> How about dog food taster? Um... I'm trying to remember who was who, who what late night show it was on, was on, but they had a dog. Ta- it might have been Johnny. Mm-hmm. They had a dog food taster. Uh, the dog food taster's job is to taste new dog food products, including bones, tinned meat, and biscuits. To do this, uh, they do this to test the flavor and texture in comparison to rival dog food brands and human food. No. No, no. Someone's got to test it. Have a dog test it and get him to speak. Have him learn how to type. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, dog food taster. I bet I bet there's a baby food taster. Well, that's better than eating dog food. I mean, I mean, what's in dog food that we wouldn't eat? I don't know. I'm not going to eat dog food and find out what's in it. <laughs> well, it's like chicken and stuff, you know, like or beef. Well, some of them. Some of them. There's a lot of filler and stuff in, in, well, I, in some guy in some dog food. If you had to, like gun to your head, if you had to, would you rather eat wet food or dry food, like dog food? If you had to, probably wet. Yeah. 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 Couldn't eat the kibble. It'd be How about odor judge? In order to test the effectiveness of new products, odor judges are hired to smell volunteers' breath, feet, and armpits. They make sure their judgment is accurate. To uh, the members of the staff, have their sense of tested te- sense of smell tested monthly. Let's hope those products are doing the trick for the judges' sake. Odor judge. How about that one? Smelling people's feet, breath, pits. Wonder what they get paid. An odor judge. That's got to be a pretty. That's you got to get paid pretty well to do that all day, smelling people's feet and their breath. Um, <laughs> salary estimates for an odor judge range between nineteen thousand and fifty-two thousand. Jeez. <laughs> but get this: the benefits stink. Oh come on! I'm dead. I'm I'm reading it. I didn't come up with that one. <laughs> um, Marmite taster. They say you love it or hate it. In the case of St. John Skelton, he really takes his appreciation to another level. As part of a team of Marmite tasters, he's responsible for checking each batch of Marmite. Um, it's the correct texture, consistency, and flavor. In 30 years, he's been uh, working there. He's eaten over 3,000 jars of the stuff. And then finally, what is this? Are you ready for this one? Mm-hmm. Scuba diving pizza delivery man. What? That sounds pretty self-explanatory. If the fact that there's an underwater hotel in Florida isn't bizarre enough, to add on to that, they have a scuba diving pizza delivery man who supplies them with pizza by carrying them through the sea in a watertight case. I would never stay in an underwater hotel. Ever. Not a possible way. You know what I mean? No way. So, but they got a guy scuba diving around with some pizzas. Here's your pizza. I mean, how would you even deliver that? Very carefully. I don't know. People in an underwater hotel, what does that mean? How are they going to open the door for the pizza delivery guy? What do they they tip them? A towel? A sand dollar? Pizza delivery guy. All right. Well, there you go. Some weird jobs. Those are weird jobs, man. Very weird jobs. All right. Hey, Vince Offer is giving away a surgical mask. He's selling surgical masks now. Thank goodness. Yeah. All right. 
Uh, what do we got going tomorrow? Uh, our good friend Tom Appel, oh, Consumer good. Guide Automotive. Tom Appel, always fun to talk to him. Check out Consumer Guide Automotive. Uh, stay tuned because we're heading over to WGN TV News for the early morning news. And then um, it's time for Bob Surratt at 5. Okay, uh, let's get to uh, the news.